With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo, what's going on, people? It's another episode of Fantasy Football with Off the Line Fantasy Football Podcast. This is episode 33, 33, Scotty Pippen. You know, welcome back. I know yep. y'all probably missed uh, us. Our, our other uh, co-host, Ike, he was off in the, you know, spreading his uh, his raw oats in the in the in the seas of Europe, somewhere in Europe, enjoying wow. himself. So yeah. <laughs> listen to this podcast and you are spreading lies. <laughs> not even no, not man. even 30 seconds in you just decide to spread lies about it. wow <laughs> no you know I, I know the people miss me and they uh missed us and then i i'm sure they wanted me to say some talk some type of shit to you since since we, they didn't have us last week so you know no better way to you know start the show out by talking some shit but again my name is eugene you can find me on twitter at fantasy jeans that's g-e-n-e-s our official Twitter handle, Off the Line FF, and as always, the other host of the show, the person you just heard, Ike. How you doing? How you feeling today, man? Uh, great. Still, uh, still recovering from the from the, the Euro trip. Um, you know, I had, uh, had had a little had a little sinus infection coming back, but you know, thankfully it wasn't COVID. I have the world's worst allergies and immune system known to man. So man. as you've as you guys have been riding with us and listening to us for 33 episodes, I'm sure you've heard me stopped up for maybe a, a, quite a handful of them. Even today, still kind of stopped up. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so I, you know, I could be found on Twitter at just underscore Ike nine. Yeah, I mean, Europe was a vibe. Europe was a vibe. Uh, enjoyed it, loved it. Um, definitely, definitely want to go back next year. So you, you all are invited if y'all want to come with me. Come with us. It's it's, it's, a, it's a dope time. Yeah, man. Um, I, I I mean, I went there a few years ago, right before COVID, with my wife. But I mean, I didn't get to get to go to Greece. We we're just hanging around Paris and London or whatnot. But I, I definitely need to go go see what what Greece is about. Go see what the the type of vibes that they got over there. So I know some of the videos. It was it was it was a good time. So. I won't, okay. I won't say yeah, nothing else that's, about that. That's, that's but. Enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we do have a special guest today to end off our fantasy outlooks for for each team by division by division. Of course, we're going to talk about our favorite division with our Cowboys, the NFC East. And you no, know, we couldn't finish this off without having somebody that 
is a is a, a rival of the Cowboys, is a, a big time Eagles fan. He's uh, the other half of 4D Chess podcast. The guy crowned as the tear the tear down king himself. The tear Iowa down. lover himself. Yeah, the Iowa lover himself. Our big guy, Mike. What's going on? How you doing? We appreciate you hopping on with us to talk NFC East. Oh, what's going on, fellas? First off, I got to say, no one ever accuses me of spreading my seed around. Nobody ever goes, hey, <laughs> Mike's just out there spreading his seed. They take one look at me and they're like, please, please, this guy doesn't get any action. So you would be 100% correct. Secondly, I prefer if you refer to the Eagles as the Cowboys daddy. Uh, that's the proper term. <laughs> We're going to get some hate on here. <laughs> the Cowboys daddy. Yeah, man. When you win a, uh, you know, when you win a Super Bowls, you know, since uh, Bill Clinton was in office, uh, oh, I, I think you get that. <laughs> oh, you're one of those Eagles fans. <laughs> yeah, he's oh, one of those, man. Oh, uh, we're gonna write that out, man. 2017 is gonna stick with me forever. <laughs> Playing with house money, <laughs> but yeah, what one, uh, you know, one championship in what 53 years? I can divide. <laughs> That's. <laughs> That's one in what every fifty three. It's all we need, baby. It's all we need. I can go back and watch mine on the internet. You guys got to go to VHS or uh, Betamax. Uh, <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. We'll get the hate out of the way early, but <laughs> yeah, I appreciate yeah. you guys it's having good. me it's on. Good. The early part of the show. This is that. This is perfect for that. So yeah, uh, we got to loosen it up here. But yeah, I'm excited to be on, man. I, I listen to you guys religiously you get me through many days at my shitty ass job that i hate (laughs) just just, damn off the lines on perfect i can get through this stupid ass job today (laughs) but where can they uh you know find you in in adam's work uh your patreon you know give 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 the people just in case they don't know where to find you where they can find you at well, first off, you can start on Destination Devi Radio. You ain't got to go too far. We got a show comes out every Friday, 4D Chess, me and Adam. On Mondays, Dynasty Trade Show comes out on there as well. If you like our stuff, go over YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash nutted. We're putting out damn near daily videos at this point, Tuesday night AMAs. Uh, the video version of the trade shows on there. Man, we are just pumping out so much content lately. It is ridiculous. But it's that time of year. We got to get going, right? Football season's around the corner. People need answers. <laughs> yeah, let's go. As far as Patreon, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. We start you out at a dollar, right? Dollar, dollar gets you into the Patreon. We don't ask for much. <laughs> Hell, if you sign up for a year, it's 10% off, too. It gets you a real cheapskate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, y'all do provide a lot of, I mean, like you said, y'all are p- pumping content almost every day. I'm watching a video of one of y'all talking about somebody. So, um, but before we get into the NFC East, let's talk about our, our the quarterback that people have been talking about this whole offseason. He finally gets moved to Carolina. Our guy, well, not my guy, but Ike's guy. Yeah. Baker, guy. <laughs> somebody's guy, just not our you're, you're guy. Gonna somebody's to, guy here. You're gonna have to weigh in the lies, sir, because you start <laughs> lying. Two lies, two blatant lies oh, in the first man. five minutes. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Let me stop. But Baker Mayfield gets moved to Carolina for a conditional fifth round pick. Um, you know, what are y'all thoughts, Mike? Go ahead and start us off. I know you did a video on this actually, so. Give us, give the people your thoughts about this move. 
Uh, my analysis stopped with the show title for the video, Baker Mayfield Sex Panther. And after that, it was all my good analysis was done. 60% of the time, it works every time. But I think the move for Baker, we knew he was going someplace. Uh, Carolina did seem like a logical landing spot for a while because Sam Darnold's butt cheeks, he's horrible. Uh, Matt Corral, whatever. I mean, he's a third-round pick. Nobody really expected much from him. I really think the move is just kind of a lateral move. I don't know how much better he is than Sam Darnold. I just know he doesn't turn the ball over as much. So maybe it's good for DJ Moore in a little bit. I think it's probably really good for Christian McCaffrey, though, not turning the football over religiously. So yeah. maybe we get a few more uh, scoring opportunities for one Christian McCaffrey. But nothing to get too excited about. I don't think it changes a whole lot for him other than if people thought he was never going to play again, which – I think you're insane if you had that thought going through your head. Yeah. Yeah. Ike, what you got? Yeah. I mean, I think it's um, obviously, I think it's a good move for DJ Moore because, I mean, if you look at all of his quarterbacks that he's played played with, this is easily the best quarterback that he's going to play with this year, uh, you know, for his, for his career. You know, Sam Darnold last year and over throughout his career has been one of the, the you know, the lowest graded quarterbacks according to PFF, uh, you know, if you look at any any meaningful passing metric, he's near the bottom. Turn turnover worthy play rate, you know, uh, you know, yards per attempt, all, all these all these different metrics, like he is near the bottom of it. And then Baker Mayfield, he's we don't we don't think the world of him as a quarterback. We don't think he's that great, but he he ranks somewhere in the you know in the the twenties, like the the low twenties in that in that in that department. Um, you know, some in the mid teens, so. By, by virtue of just that, I mean it's a it's a little bit of an upgrade. I mean we've seen Baker Mayfield, in, you know, in the NFL for four years, has had two good seasons, two bad seasons, so basically a mixed bag. And we've seen Sam Darnold for for just as long. And how many good seasons has Sam Darnold have? Has how, how many how many good seasons? Zero, exactly. <laughs> so we've seen you know one quarterback be good. We have not seen a, the other quarterback be good. So by virtue of that, it's a, that's an upgrade for DJ Moore. 1,100 yards and, and four touchdowns each of the last three years, you know, receiving wise for DJ Moore with shitty quarterbacks. And so um, Baker, Baker's is a, is a pretty sizable upgrade. <laughs> and and it's, it, it's really crazy to say that, but it's, it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. Um, so I think this is a good move for, uh, for, for DJ Moore. Now, now in terms of what the Panthers are going to do, are, are they going to be, are they going to be better as a team? I, that remains to be seen. There's a lot. There's still a lot of question marks in that in that, in that franchise. But um, but again, DJ Moore. I think this is this is a this is a this is a win for him. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, overall, I think it is a good move for the offense to have somebody that won't turn the ball over as much. Uh, we've seen Baker. He, he loves. He doesn't like taking too many chances. I don't know if that's the product of the offense he's been in with Stefanski or. Just kind of just him himself, but regardless, we should see more opportunities for you know people, even people like Robbie Anderson. This is an upgrade for him too. Like we saw Robbie Anderson have what a hundred targets last year, and he didn't do jack shit with it because most of them were fucking dirt balls or balls in the stands. So uh, I think that helps him. Um, definitely helps uh, Christian McCaffrey because Breaker does like checking down a lot. So um, I think it's a good improvement. Um, I mean, we'll see. I'm not going to get too excited. It's not, it's not like I'm going to draft him or anything, but um, I think his overall is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not you're not drafting Baker Mayfield. Let's yeah. let's, let's not be let's not be crazy here. 
You're not drafting. You're not targeting any drafts. That's absurd. <laughs> I mean, if anything, you'll probably you'll, you'll probably tar- you know you'll target you'll target DJ Moore where you where you were gonna target him three four turn maybe take him a little earlier. I think you know he's going around wide receiver sixteen seventeen. Yeah, I think that's kind of I, I think that'll be the ultimately be the range of where he stays. Right? I mean, you know, you, yeah. you have another month. You have another month until until the casual drafters you know start start really pushing and, and moving moving and shaking the ADPs one way or you know one direction or the other. I, I don't I don't see him moving that you know that far up. I think I think I see him moving maybe a couple of spots when it's all said and done by the end of August, early September. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think he really moves. I don't think any of the ancillary players, their ADP is going to really move when you just think about it. Um, but yeah, Christian that's enough. Of- move one to one. Nope, nope. <laughs> me, me at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's either one or two in my book, but uh, it, I guess it just depends on who you ask. But I mean, enough of Baker. Let's 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 go ahead and uh, talk about the NFC East teams. Um, who we want to start off? With? Let's start with the Commandos or the Commanders uh, that I like to call them the Commandos. <laughs> uh, P- PFF had them graded offensively, the, uh, ranked 30, 23rd team in the league last year. Uh, we saw them trade for uh, Carson Wentz or or Wentz or wherever how you want to say say his last name, depending on how he plays. Um, they they drafted Jahan Dodson, sixteen overall. Um, I know some people thought that that might have been a little bit of a reach. Other people might look at it as a, a, a good pickup since that, that wide receiver run was happening and they didn't want to lose out. Um, and then they also drafted Brian Robinson in the fourth round. I know that is causing a lot of commotion in the fantasy space because of, you know, you got you, you got uh, Antonio Gibson. You saw how they basically begged uh, J.D. McKissick to come back. And then now you added this, this big-ass running back to potentially steal some at least goal line work or – short yardage situation. So first question to ask Mike is this offense was, was rated 22nd in pass play rate in non garbage time situations. Um, how do you think this, this offense will, will run with, you know, your new quarterback is Carson Wentz under center. Carson Wentz is a guy that I've spent far too long defending for, for stupid reasons. Far too long, far too long, but I think we can acknowledge this is the best quarterback Washington has had in a hot minute, and I don't think it's relatively close. I mean, Taylor Heineke, Mr. Heineken, was god-awful. Before that, what we're looking at, Kyle Allen, (laughs) gross. I mean, this is good. Carson Wentz being there, whether he makes some of the biggest bonehead plays that you can ever see, but if you actually look in the stats like turnover-worthy plays, interceptions, that kind of thing, he actually grades out pretty well as a quarterback. He just happens to throw pick sixes on his own one-yard line with underhand passes and overhand alley-oops. So those are the things that make the highlights the little light reels, the sports center not te- top 10. So he gets a huge reputation as just being a horrible quarterback. But I'm not saying you need to go out and draft Carson Wentz. I think he's another guy that's just be on the waiver wire in your redraft leagues. But it's good for the entire offense as a whole. So my opinion of it, Carson Wentz being there is good for the offense. It's good for Terry McLaurin. It's good for Gibson. It's good for Jahan Dotson if you want to grab him later, you know, take a shot on the rookie. But overall, better move for them. And I think that offensive rating 23rd probably goes up a little bit, maybe gets into the high teens. 
I think is a reasonable expectation. I don't think they're going to be some powerhouse, but good for the offense. Well, you got Ike. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like look, just looking back on last year and how their offense ran. I mean, they they use a lot of play action. You know, at, you know, they had a thirty three point per thirty three point six uh, play action rate, which was second in the league, and then they also ran a lot of motion. You know, pre snap, a lot of pre snap. You know, eye candy things of that nature at a fifty eight point seven percent rate, which was seventh in the league. So if they can if they can continue to use like a lot of those types of you know, types of concepts, you know, uh, you know run, running their offense. And uh, Carson Wentz, one, you know, one thing Carson Wentz does well, he does throw the deep ball well. Uh, you know, out, you know, he's he's not really accurate, you know, intermediate, short short to intermediate. He'll he'll throw ground balls. He'll he'll he'll, he'll throw balls into the you know into the into the second into the second row of the stands uh, every now and again. But in terms of throwing the throwing throwing deep, uh, this offense last year was terrible throwing throwing deep. You know, Taylor Heineke was, was the worst downfield passer in the league last year. Uh, but, you know, conversely, Carson Wentz, you know, he has a pretty solid, P, solid P, you know, PFF grade in this department. You know, even throughout his career, you know, having, you know, a, a 90 plus, uh, 90 plus grade in 2021. So they can they can definitely take some shots, take some more downfield, you know, downfield attempts. And that's where Terry McLaurin thrives as well. He has a lot of, uh, you know, he had a lot of deep ball attempts last year. Also had a lot of unrealized air yards due to Taylor Heineke being very shitty at throwing the deep ball. So um, I think I think this offense, even though they were pretty run sit, run focused a lot uh, as well, they it, it, they should stand to throw the ball a bit more um, and just just take a couple more shots down the field um, um, per game. But I like the play action, I like the motion that they use. Um, those are those are some 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 good some decent indicators that they at least know they kind of know what they're doing. They just kind of want to you know now they have a better quarterback in town. They're going to be passing the ball a little bit more. At least that's the hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. Uh, it should be a little bit better because uh, Carson is pretty good throwing the deep ball. Washington got some players that can go get the deep ball if they need to if they need to do that. So, um, but I mean, still Carson Wentz. We've seen. We've seen what he's done in this division already, so <laughs> I don't expect too much to change in that area. So, oh, it, oh, in his last game, his last game, uh, twenty twenty one, he had a four point three pass rating or four point three QB. Oh, yes, yes. I know. Every, I know. Okay. Everybody remembers that game because we. I'm sure people either had some type of money on the line or they had players in that game that they thought they were going to go off and. Yeah, absolutely. He. Hate he, to see he 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 pissed the bed man on that one. He the the well, moment hey, was too big for Angel scenery that that could be what he needs. That yeah, could be what he yeah. Needs. Which leads me to my second question. Um, we and then it, of course we got one of the biggest uh, Antonio Gibson supporters on uh, guest host with us. So Mike, should we be worried about Antonio Gibson's usage this season? Every time I hear his day, man, I just have that reaction like. I'm just tired, man. I'm just tired. I'm tired. I got to defend this guy. It seems like every day, multiple times. I'm not. I'm not worried about his usage at all. I'm, I'm ready to die on the hill. I'm ready you. to be the biggest Antonio Gibson supporter there is. I'm ready to die on that hill. Brian Robinson does not scare me in one bit. He's like 47 years old. Took him 18 <laughs> years to get touches at Alabama. You know, everybody else had to die, get in car accidents, not be able to play, broken legs. Then it's Brian Robinson's time. 
He doesn't scare me at all. He's basically a worse Antonio Gibson in every single possible way you can imagine. And J.D. McKissick, I mean, we know what J.D. McKissick is at this point. Antonio Gibson, if you look at him at the end of the year, when he was getting the touches, and, and even earlier in the year, because if you just go by snap share, anytime he got over 50% of the snaps, he was fantastic. Fantastic for fantasy. He had like a few dud games in there. But, I mean, we're talking only a small bar of 50% snap share, but the majority of it, I think he averaged, when I figured it out and did the little video on him, he averaged something like 17 or 18 points per game when he got over 50% of the snaps, which is huge. So, as long as he keeps it up, I'm not worried about B-Rob. I'm not worried about J.D. McKissick. I really think the B-Rob move was just to bring in some insurance in case Gibson gets hurt because he has been banged up in the past. And your alternative at the time before B-Rob was Jared Patterson. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how, how long and fuzzy. Yeah, yeah, a tiny Jared Patterson. I don't know how, how thrilled the organization was that that was their backup option. So to answer the big question, no, I'm not worried about Antonio Gibson's usage at all. I, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with the I agree with the sentiments. I'm not worried either. Um, there's just been a lot of discourse, uh, you know, in the fantasy community about about you know fading Antonio Gibson completely because of, because of Brian Robinson, like of a, a, a guy who could, could even get on the field until he was 23 years old. <laughs> like, come on, like what are we talking about here? Yeah, he produced at Alabama, but what other running what what running back does not produce at, produce at Alabama? Um, and to your point. He was exact. I feel like he was drafted exactly for insurance, for insurance only, not necessarily to carve out a role. People were projecting him to have like a thirty uh, percent, you know, rush share and things of that nature. And I'm like, no, that that, that just doesn't make any sense. Antonio Gibson has been awesome when he's been on the field. Um, yes, he's been banged up, but he's finished as RB ten and the RB thirteen last two years, <laughs> despite you know dealing with these nagging injuries and despite not having a ton of experience at the running back position. I mean, if you remember, 2020 was really his first year of truly being committing uh, to being a full-time running back. He, you know, at Memphis, he was a wide receiver. Um, and it just really doesn't make any sense as to why he's not really used that much more as a wide receiver in the NFL because that's where he excels. Um, you know, they're, they're really hell-bent on you know, getting J.D. McKissick on the field. And look, J.D. McKissick is really good at his role. He's really good at his role of being a wide receiver because he does. He definitely doesn't get rush attempts. You know, you know, his, in his three years, he's had you know less than you know at least you know or less than thirteen percent of the rush attempts. So he, you know he's not getting carries. So he's only out there for you know for for either passing downs or just getting passing game work. But when Antonio Gibson is targeted, you know his his targets per route run his last two years is twenty four percent, twenty one percent, and you know the NFL average for running back. Is around 18 uh, for an RB one. It's about 20. percent So he's he's above those you know you know above those those metrics, and he's he's pretty he's pretty damn solid. He's pretty damn good as receiver because he played receiver in college. Go figure, right? <laughs> so uh, I think I, I'm not worried about Antonio Gibson's usage. I I feel like he'd be he he's we're gonna do and Gene we're gonna do a show in a couple of weeks about some of our targets. I'm I'm really really in becoming more and more inclined to add Antonio Gibson to my target list because I, I, I don't understand the hate in the fantasy community for Antonio Gibson because I feel like he's going to he's gonna smash. He's gonna smash his ADP is what RB twenty three, twenty four, 
I, that's just way too low for me. Um, so but we'll, 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 we'll talk more about that at, at a later time. But yeah, I, yeah. I like Antonio Gibson and I'm okay. not worried about his usage at all. You know, I was one of those people when I saw B-Route get drafted, I was like, oh shit, Antonio is, is going to be hurting. But, you know, once you start like really kind of diving in and, you know, just even listening to y'all kind of puts it more in perspective. Like B-Rob, he, he might get goal line carries, maybe, but overall he can't catch, he can't catch the ball. So you're not going to see him on third down. Um, he was okay. Uh, third down back in terms of blocking wise when he was at Alabama, but they never threw him the ball. So, I mean, I can't imagine 30% of the rush air is a lot. That sounds, that's a, that's a big number for somebody that's, I mean, it's not like he's any any better than Antonio Gibson on the first and second down. So the only problem with Antonio Gibson is that he fumbles. Um, so if he works that out, then I'm, I, like you said, we'll see him spot spotty situations where they maybe Antonio needs a breather. But I mean, indication of the in, towards the end of last season, you saw Antonio sixty percent of the snap share almost every game. He had twenty plus touches almost every game the last. But last six, seven games of the season. So uh, I imagine it carrying over. Uh, they'll be able to, to run more three wide receiver sets with, with Jahan Dotson. So I, I mean, I don't think I'm going to, I should be worried about the usage either. So um, I appreciate y'all kind of enlightening me a little bit because I was one of those people on the, on the teetering about Antonio Gibson. So um, let's talk about some of the key fantasy players for this team. We've already talked about Carson Wentz. Right now he's going back quarterback 25. So I mean, you're not in redraft. You're not even thinking about him, honestly. Maybe maybe in a spot start, but even still, you have to be pretty desperate to go play him, honestly. Um, so, I mean, we've already talked about his accuracy issues. Um, I mean, there's really nothing else to be added added about him. He's just – he's okay. Like, if you need him, you can go pick him up at any time. <laughs> um, yeah. Antonio Gibson, we talked about him. He's going early fourth round right now. Uh, we, I mean, we pretty much touched on him. Um, I, I mean, RB twenty one, uh, according to Sleeper ADP. Uh, I mean, you're seeing running backs like Travis Etienne behind him, uh, J.K. Dobbins behind him, Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall in front of him. Uh, uh, what do y'all think about that? Is are those running backs properly placed, like in between him, or should he be in front of all of them, behind all of them? What do y'all think? Man, I think for Gibson, I, I think I'd strongly consider taking him before all those guys for mm. one year. For one year? Yeah. Easily. For one now, year, yeah. I, I think, yeah. Dynasty, uh, we could have a different discussion, but for redraft purposes, yeah, I don't think it's much of a question mark for me. One thing we didn't touch on with him, too, number four in the entire league in red zone touches at the running back position. Oh, well. So we just yeah. we, we talked about Carson Wentz being an upgrade at quarterback, better than Taylor Heineke, and – and really, like Carson Wentz, the stats, the offense being a little bit more efficient, having the ball a little bit longer, being able to push it down the field a little bit more explosive, like that means more red zone touches for everybody because you're going to have more trips to the red zone. So yep. if you're already talking about a running back who's number four last year with a shitty quarterback, maybe that creeps up. It's Well, maybe. Worst case scenario, I think it probably stays about even, but – we could be talking about a guy who's number two, number three in red zone touches, and that's pretty enticing for the running back position. So I think he should be going over all those guys. And part of how you get to the red zone is by getting a lot of first downs. And Antonio Gibson was mm-hmm. second in the league in rushing first downs. 
So he's a pretty good. He's a pretty, pretty good runner. He's a pretty good runner. So and that was only second to Jonathan Taylor. Um, and you know, for a guy that's allegedly going to get a spot taken by Brian Robinson, I mean that's that's pretty good. Sixty-five rushing first downs in twenty twenty-one. That was that's a that's a solid number. Uh, yep. But yeah, I would I would take Antonio. I mean, like I'm I'm warming. I'm like the more and more I talk through it, the more and more I'm warming up to the idea of taking Antonio Gibson a little bit earlier than where where he's going. You know, because it's just yeah. it just doesn't. I, I'm I, am I missing something? Like what else am I missing with Antonio I, I, Gibson? Like I, I think is I get the concerns th- with the, the draft capital and JD McKissick being on third downs, but he produces when he's out on the, when he's on the field. He produces, right? I mean, yeah. It's just, I, yeah, I think it's because people want to see him catch the ball because he was a wide receiver in college and they use him sparingly at running back. And he I think he averaged like 10, 12 yards per carry when he was in college. So it's just weird for <laughs> yeah, I think it's weird for people to see. I think it's weird for people to see him not get any passing work, but he just sucks at pass blocking. That's I mean, just yeah. what it is. So um, but again, um, yeah, like just kind of laying it out there and just. Like some of these running backs, like even like you got David Montgomery at RB eighteen. Like I think that's debatable if you take him. I'd probably I mean, you could debate, you could debate either way. I'd probably take Montgomery over Gibson because Montgomery uh, has has more of an opportunity to share that offense. You know, because yeah, Clear Herbert was Clear Herbert was good last year, but uh, but Montgomery, you, like you know for a fact he's going to catch passes. You know he's going to play third downs. So yeah. you know he's you know he has a true three down role where you know Gibson and you know you'll have you have some ambiguity there and he should be playing more on third downs but uh, Montgomery kind of gets the edge for me because he has a little bit safer a safer touch floor uh, than Gibson yeah yeah that's but fair. outside that's of that fair. I mean I, I would probably take him over Josh Jacobs I think the, I mean I, I I was earlier in the offseason I was kind of warm to the idea of taking Josh Jacobs a little bit higher but. And the more and more I, th- I think about it, you know, the Raiders did not pick up his fifth-year option. You know, you know, they 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 drafted another guy in, in, uh, running back in Samir White, who they really like. Kane Drake is still lurking. Um, he may play some third downs. So, and you know, we we automatically assume the Raiders' offense is going to be in more more scoring positions, and that could very well be true. But their offensive line is still still a question mark. So we don't know how successful they'll be at moving the ball, but down the field, we don't know how successful they'll be at running the ball. So there's a couple, there's, a, there's still some questions with that with that Raiders line that we that we need to answer. And so I would probably take Gibson over Josh Jacobs. Uh, Brees Hall's a rookie. He's he had one of the he's he's one of the most athletic running backs we've we've seen in, in quite some time. Uh, you know, compared to Saquon Barkley. Uh, so I, I I don't know. Uh, we we have. We obviously haven't seen him play a single down yet. And all we can do is go off of what we hear from the beat writers. He's they, he's expected to be the lead back there. But, you know, Michael Carter was, was pretty good last year, breaking tackles, commanding targets. So I don't know if he's just going to go away like people are expecting. So there's, there's, a, there's a debate to be had there as well. So I don't know. I mean, Gibson's going in a, in a pretty decent range, but there's – I would favor Gibson over over you know, a handful of those guys like you know, like Mike mentioned. Yep. All right. Uh, JD McKissick, RB forty seven, ended thirteenth, and who cares? I mean, you can get him at the end of the <laughs> end of the draft. <laughs> He's a third down back. He's no. There's no other use for him. 
So <laughs> no yeah. need to even go any further about that. Brian Robinson. He's really good at catching the, the catching the ball, but I mean, it's just that that's it. I mean, like you know, yeah. he, he's not going to get that much, you know, in rush attempts. And I mean, for what it's worth, he was the RB twenty two last year before getting hurt, and that was mostly yeah. driven by a lot of his passing game usage. But would, yeah. um, would you guys have some more interest in him in like a, a best ball format, like underdog? Like definitely could, round yeah. 18 yeah, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, sure. you don't have to just worry. Throw him in there. Like you're you're gonna get him in his spike weeks. I'm cool with that. Like you get three yeah, of those, yeah. he's worth the he's worth the pickup. Like but, actually, yeah. like a redraft Wait. start your lineup thing. <sighs> Hell no. No, no. no I'm good. He, he, would be, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. he would be a depth piece. He would be like my fifth running back, fourth or fifth running back, maybe. Uh, but yeah. outside of that, like. He's probably depend if he's your if, if he's your like RB three you're in trouble man I'd, yeah, you don't want to I'd rather roster an extra kicker than Jake yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, we got Brian Robinson RB sixty who cares I mean he's free you just pick him up if if Gibson gets hurt I mean outside of that you have, there's really no reason to to draft no him roster um, Terry McLaurin F one Wide receiver 14, mid-fourth round. How are we feeling about him? We we see him over his course of three years so far in the league, 222 receptions, almost 3,100 yards with shitty quarterbacks. So this is just somebody – he just got something that's upgraded. He just got paid. We've already talked about Carson Wentz being one of the better deep ball throwers in the league in terms of percentage-wise completion. So this definitely helps McLaurin in terms of, you know, Completing those unrealized yards like last year, he was third in the league with almost a thousand unrealized yards. So I'm sure a lot of those were just balls that were just thrown out of bounds or not catchable. Uh, so what do y'all think about about uh, McLaurin at going to wide receiver 14? Again, man, like people are going to confuse me for being a Washington Commanders fan, which I'm absolutely <laughs> not. But Terry McLaurin is one of those guys I'm extremely excited for. The yeah. Carson Wentz connection. Like I said earlier, man, no matter what you think about Carson Wentz, this is going to be the best quarterback Terry's ever had, ever, period. And yep. Carson Wentz does what Terry McLaurin's good at, get the ball down the field. And Wentz is also one of those guys who doesn't need to see it to throw it either. Like he will chuck it up and let you go make a contested catch, something else Terry McLaurin is really good at. So yep. I'm excited for Terry McLaurin. Let's see, he's going, you know, wide receiver 14, middle part of the fourth. I think you could probably bump him up. I would take him a little bit earlier. I don't know how crazy you want to get with it, but it's a guy that I'm willing to to get a little bit risky on and overdraft. Okay. What about you, Ike? Yeah, and, and Terry McLaurin. Terry, Terry McLaurin doesn't have to worry about you know the quarterback you know waving him deep and then waving him even deeper and then and then throw, under throwing him to, you know by ten yards. And getting, <laughs> uh, so he doesn't have to worry about it. Like Taylor um, So. <laughs> yeah, I think I think yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Terry McLaurin as well. Thirteenth uh, in the NFL or thirteenth in PFF receiving grades is coming into the league. He's third, he was thirteenth in targets last year, so that I think that number is going to climb. I think the number I think he'll definitely come will go into the top ten. I think he's basically a shoo-in for 100, 140 plus targets this year because you know he again he just got paid three three for seventy one. I think fifty two million guaranteed or something along those lines. Yep. So they they have they're they're heavily they're heavily heavily incentivized to use him all over the formation. Uh, yeah, he's wide receiver fourteen. I think that's kind of where you know uh, that's a good range for him, a good spot for him. Uh, and he produces produces every year. 
So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with it. We got Jahan Dotson, uh, wide receiver 59, which is late 12th round. Um, we've already heard reports that he's going to be primarily in the slot. So um, pretty much we're, when we're looking at two wide receiver sets, he's probably going to be watching Curtis Samuel uh, play the other side with uh, Terry McLaurin. So, uh, I mean, we've never seen Carson Wentz support more than than one, your top wide receiver and like your check down running back outside of that in your tight end. Um, but in this case, they don't really have a tight end of note. So for me, it's going to be kind of hard for me to, to see Jahan Dotson really do anything, especially early in the season. Um, I mean, unless we see Curtis Samuel get hurt as per usual, then I don't think I'll be, I don't think I'll be looking to target him in, in, in drafts. Um, what, what is y'all thoughts on, on him? And then Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel, I mean, you can get him for free right now. And I think I think you should be you should be you should be targeting the draft Curtis Samuel, in my opinion. But what do y'all think about those last two wide receivers? Dotson seems yep. like somebody I'd be interested in. Like I like the okay. talent profile. I like him. You know, I also have a little bit of dynasty bias creeping in where I think yep. he's a, <laughs> a a little bit more athletic. Deontay Johnson. That's who he reminds me of. I don't want to make the comparison. He's going to be Deontay Johnson, but just the way he plays the game, the way he moves, it it feels yep. a lot like Deontay Johnson. You know, I've heard that narrative about Carson Wentz, you know, never supporting two wide receivers, but the audience out there, like, think back. Can you name Carson Wentz's two best receivers he's had at the same time? (laughs) Can you? Like, I mean, literally his best two receivers he had at one given time. And? and, No. No. Just receiver-wise. Just receiver-wise. Who who would be the other receiver? Torrey fucking Smith. Now, I oh, like Tory Smith as a human being. Uh-oh. I follow him on Twitter. He won us a Super Bowl. Part of it, like, I'm dead. But Tory Smith is, like, the second best number two receiver Carson Wentz has had his entire fucking career. Yeah. So, I don't know how much you could put into that narrative. Like, he's never support. He's never fucking had anybody. So, that's John true. Dotson at wide receiver 59, late 12. I don't know if that's right or wrong for, like, where you should be taking him, but... You know, he's worth a shot for me just to kind of see what how he will function playing in the slot next to Terry McLaurin with Carson Wentz and to see if it becomes anything. That's kind of an upside play for me. I'd be willing to do that, I think. Yeah, and I think the the one thing about um about Jahan Jahan Dodson, you know, he'll I think he'll get first crack because he has the draft capital. He's a first round, he's a sixteenth overall player in the twenty twenty two draft. So uh, the Redskins, rest of the Redskins, the Commanders <laughs> are incentivized to use him, right? They're going to use him in the slot. I think that's where he's going to thrive. And then Curtis Samuel, you know, for what it's worth, he did get hurt last year in, you know, before training camp. You know, his hurt is growing and he hurt his, his groin was just hurt the entire season. So he was never healthy. So I think this year now, like, you know, as we're talking today on July 13th, I mean, he's, they say he's fully healthy. He's fully over the groin injuries, running full speed, no limitations. And, you know, it's his time in Carolina. He was a, he was a, very, he was a dynamic playmaker. He, he, made, he made a lot of big plays. He was, he, he was taking carries out of the backfield of Carolina. He was you know, running deep. So he had, he had, some, he had some moments um, for, you know, in Carolina. And so it just kind of remains to be seen how, how both of these receivers are going to be deployed. But to your point, Gene, I think I would prefer Curtis Samuel over Jahan Dotson uh, if I were ch- choosing between the two because I've seen Curtis Samuel 
produced before. And I, if all the reports are true, and I don't like to take a lot of these beat writer reports in July or in the summer prior to training camp and prior to the season uh, with nothing more than a grain of salt. But if the true and if he's, if he's healthy, we see him, you know, go through training camp without any injury, without any injuries, without any issues. I think he'll be a, a, a steal, especially if he's going for free. I think he'll be a steal because I think he may once he gets, if he gets on the field, uh, he, he may produce. He may produce something. He may be worth a damn uh, for the first time in a couple of years. And so, yeah. But but again, a lot of ifs, a lot of ifs. Yeah, yeah. I think for me. I would I would take my shot on Curtis Samuel over Jahan Dotson just because uh, no if you go on the past few years we we've tend to see wide receivers you no know, rookie wide receivers they 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 try to get acclimated so it takes them a little bit of of game time before they they get uh, acclimated to the NFL game and speed um, like you said we've seen Curtis Samuel flash but he's always 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 hurt so. Um, I'm holding on to that little sliver of hope for Curtis Samuel to do something um, this year. So that is the commanders. Uh, so, Ike, who are we talking about next? Well, next we will go to the East Rutherford, New Jersey, and talk about the New York football giants. Um, PFF has their offensive grade. Offensive ranking is at 31st. But going into some of the moves they made this offseason, I think the biggest one is that they hired a new head coach. Brian Dable from just across the park, uh, you know, from Buffalo as new head coach. He's going to bring with him a lot of a lot of a lot of passing, a lot of passing. Hopefully, a, a pass happy scheme, uh, you know, to to support a lot of those receivers who we'll get to in a second. They were third in pass play rate in non garbage time situations last season. So hopefully, you know, they'll they'll bring a lot of that to to uh, you know to to you know to New York. Or he'll bring a lot of that to New York. Now they don't have the greatest quarterback in the world, Daniel Jones. Um, and maybe <laughs> so we, that remains to be seen how 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 he'll um, how he'll hide him, how he'll protect him. Um, but also going into some of their other moves, they did draft Wandale Robinson in the second round, wide receiver out of Kentucky. Basically, a Spider-Man meme of Kadarius Tony. They're basically the same player. They they're they're shifty. They they can make moves in space. I guess they drafted him with this with the thought of potentially trading Darius Tony, but by all accounts, they're gonna keep him. And they're gonna be Spider-Man memeing all season long. So so we will we will see how that goes. Um and a, and a couple of other a couple of other uh non needle moving moves. They picked up Matt running back Matt Breda. Matt Breda followed Dable from Buffalo, and they signed tight end Ricky Seals Jones. And they lost a uh, tight end, Evan Ingram. So uh, just going into the, some of the biggest questions, the first one is obvious. Um, this new offense, uh, what's going to change? Like what is going to change uh, in this new offense? The hope is more passing. You know, you're going from Jason Garrett's, you know, missionary sex, uh, run, you know, vanilla scheme, you know, just <laughs> running here, running there, uh, you know, first down run, second down run, then pass, incomplete punt. Um, the Brian Dables high pass, you know, high pass play rates. Uh, so what, what can we expect out of this new offense? Well, I really like it. The, the missionary sex reference there was really good. Now maybe in New York, they get to, they get to do it with the lights on, you know, get a little bit freaky. (laughs) (laughs) So turn the lamp on or something here. 
Daniel Jones is bad, but going from Jason Garrett to Brian Dable has to be an upgrade and probably a pretty significant one. Even if your quarterback's bad, maybe your quarterback could be just a little bit less bad. And, and, and I do hope that they go to more of the Buffalo style, what we've seen, where they air the rock out and they're not going to be this three yards in a cloud of dust, boring-ass offense. So I think it's good for everybody there, even though Daniel Jones is bad. I like it. I like the move from Garrett to Dable a lot for the people we care about in fantasy in, in New York. Yeah, um, I agree with the same. I, I, I expect to see a lot, of, a lot more three-wide receiver sets. Uh, we saw Buffalo run run three wide receiver sets at a seventy one percent rate last year. Uh, they even ran four wide receiver set set at like a four percent rate, which is I mean nobody really does that, and they did it at four percent rate with one wide, with with a tight end, and then eight percent when they had a running back in the backfield. So um, hopefully they will see a lot of creativity. We saw a lot of motion. They get they get their playmakers the ball really quick. So people like. Kadarius and, and Wandell should eat a lot, um, you know, hopefully. And then we just hope that Daniel Jones can, you know, be accurate. <laughs> so, because he ain't. So, I, I know a lot of people are hoping that we see some kind of transformation like they saw with, with Josh uh, with Josh Allen with under Dable. So. Yeah, and an interesting, an interesting point about that, uh, you know, to – to a, a similarity that both Daniel Jones and, and Josh Allen share is that they both run. They both can run. Um, and while while jo- while Brian Dable was you know was you know the Buffalo offensive coordinator from you know 2018 to 2021, um, only the Ravens and the Saints had more designed runs for the quarterbacks. Um, and this data was courtesy of PFF. And you know um, Buffalo also ran a lot of play action as well. Um, you know at a 33.2 percent rate the, the nfl average is 26 percent um in addition to that you'll see a bunch of rpos so i think a lot of rpo action will help daniel jones especially if he's you know since he's he has accuracy issues much like uh you know this his nfc east counterpart uh, carson wentz <laughs> but 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 daniel jones you know he's had some pretty damn good fantasy weeks as a <laughs> Like throughout his career, you know, 2019, he had he, he had some he had, he had a lot of spike weeks. Um, and in 2021, he had three top 12 finishes in the first four weeks. You know, he was one of 10 quarterbacks uh, since 2019, averaged 25 rushing yards per game. I mean, he's you know he 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 showed he's shown flashes to be a decent fantasy quarterback. <laughs> You know, despite how bad he is, despite how bad he's been overall as a quarterback, but you know, in terms of running, he can definitely run. I mean, he's 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 not he's he's not the uh, he's not the worst athlete in the world, right? He's not the worst athlete in the world, but um, but it, but it also comes down to Buffalo uh, Buffalo's New York's offensive line. Their offensive line has been been one of their Achilles' heels over the last several years. Thirtieth ranked offensive line last year. So hopefully, you know, that that improves um, in 2022. And then, you know, hopefully uh, Brian Dable, you know, calling the plays, you know, putting them in, in, in more advantageous uh, situations. Um, so just going into some of the key fantasy players, we did just touch on, on Daniel Jones just a little bit. Going as QB 27, we're not, you know, we're not targeting him in fantasy, right? I mean, he'll be, he'll be another waiver wire guy. 
there's a lot. There's only a, a handful of quarterbacks that will that will target. But if you're in the quarterback twenty range, pro- you're probably not going to get drafted. You're probably going to be on the waiver wire. Um, and every time you go to your waiver wire, you're going to see his name. <laughs> you're going to see his name. You're going to see his. You're going to see Carson Wentz's name. You're going to see a bunch of other guys' names on. You know, just you're going to be reading blurbs about them for at least the first part of the season until they, you know, kind of get acclimated with their respective offenses and. Maybe they'll have some decent weeks you know, coming out of the gate. But uh, outside of that, we don't want anything to do with them. But going on to the running backs, uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, Saquon Barkley, I think he is uh, the most polarizing player um, on this offense. But uh, just a, a question, though, like, you know, for, well, first off, he's going he's going as the RB14, but I would imagine that's going to climb um, as the season draws near. Because he was going in the third round about a month ago, and now he's creeping into the, the middle part of the second round and probably going to be closer to the early part of the second round. But, man, like I, I started I started a, uh, uh, an underdog draft, an underdog draft with, uh, I believe, uh, 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 I started off with Jamar Chase, Aaron Jones, and Saquon, uh, uh, Saquon Barkley, my first three picks. I got Saquon at 29, which was crazy. And he's hmm. probably not going to go at 29 um, <laughs> again, <laughs> again this summer. So there was a little window of time that you could have got him um, pretty late. But as you start hearing more and more things about him, he, that ADP is going to creep up. So what do you guys think about Saquon Barkley's uh, prospects for the 2022 season? Man, I love Saquon. I, I didn't know if there was going to be a running back I would defend more than Antonio Gibson, but it's going to be Saquon <laughs> Barkley for me for sure. <laughs> Like I, I would absolutely be thrilled if at the end of the first round I could double tap Swift and then Saquon, and that's how I start my draft. draft. I would take it all day long. Um, we look at it, you know, we talked about Dable and, and the offense that he's going to bring over, so that's a plus towards Saquon. He's fully healthy. There's a second plus for him. Uh, Giants O-line, you, you said how bad they were last year. Yes, absolutely atrocious. What they do this offseason? They went out and addressed it in multiple ways, so – in free agency, I mean, I didn't know we were going to do offense alignment ranks here, but they went out and got Glowinski, Feliciano, Jameel Douglas, Max Garcia in free agency, and then in the draft, drafted big-ass Evan Neal out of Alabama yeah. in, in the top ten. So I'm excited that they're heading in the right direction in the offensive line, the improved offense scheme that Dable's bringing, and Saquon being fully healthy. Yeah, there is no way in hell this, uh, you know, 22nd, overall player ADP is going to hold up for too much longer, especially when people start getting back in the fold of it and really taking a look at New York Giants. Hmm. Okay. Um, I I mean, I like the prospects. Um, It should be interesting to see how Dable uses him because he hasn't had this, uh, uh, a running back of this caliber in his offense. So it'd be really interesting of how, how they use, how they use him because I mean, we've seen, their pass run splits with damn near 70 30. So, uh, if it's going to be that, then I'm expecting the Saquon to be really active in the passing game. I mean, even last season with the, with the, uh, you know, the spotty play that he had in terms of like being, being there and then being injured and being there and then being injured, he was still eighth in RB target share at almost, almost 13 and a half percent. So, uh, I mean, I do expect a big, a big season for his, you know, for his contract year. Um, 
You know, see him on sleeper right now going 22nd overall, RB14. I mean, I can definitely see him creep up close to that to that 12, 13 turn. I'm not sure if I want to take him over Aaron Jones at the moment, but uh, I I would get it because of the improved offensive line, the potential improvement of the scheme. Uh, so, I mean, you got people like Javonta Williams in front of him, Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette, Nick Chubb, uh, Alvin Kamara. I mean, depending on the news with Alvin Kamara, he I mean, he might he might be below all these guys plus. So, um, he's definitely going to creep up once we get closer and closer to the season. Did he suffer? Was it officially a high ankle sprain against Dallas when he had that freak play where he's oh yeah, foot yeah, I believe they say it was a high ankle sprain. Yeah, it was. Do you know? He he did fuck all in weeks one and two. Like it was it was very minimal. But yeah. two weeks before the Dallas game where he sprained his ankle, yeah, twenty one point four fantasy points, number nine on the week for running back, and then the Saints game against a good defense, twenty nine point six, number two in the entire league for that week. So he was really starting to heat up and then just bam, freak injury, stepping yeah. on somebody's foot, you know, shouldn't have happened. And we know what it's like with the uh, the high ankle sprains, man. It's almost a death sentence for you for the rest of the season. Like you just never really get back into form. So yeah. just something to point out about him. Like he he was starting to roll and then it just got derailed by some other freak yeah, injury that he happened to suffer. I was getting ready to make that same point. He was ramping up, man. I, yeah. I had I had I drafted Saquon Barkley in a lot of places last year because it, for for what it's for what it's worth though like the Giants they actually handled Saquon Barkley's workload the right way like they 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 put him in bubble wrap they put him in bubble wrap in the preseason and they, they slowly brought him along gave him a little bit here gave him a little bit there and as he so he can continue to build on the previous week. And then he was getting ready to be unleashed. And it just yeah. Daniel Jones airmailed a slant. Dying. And then took a couple a couple of additional strides and stepped on Jordan Lewis's foot. And I was just like, wow. That's yep. that's how Saquon Barkley's season is gonna end. And people are gonna continue to perpetuate that injury prone label that you know, so yeah, I, I think and now another interesting thing another interesting thing about Saquon is that this is his second year removed from that ACL injury, so he's he's ready to fucking roll. He's ready to rock. That's why. That's why. I, I, that's part of why his ADP is just continuing to climb where it was before um, early in the summer. So he's he's ready to roll. And another reason to get excited about about Saquon Barkley is that he doesn't have anybody behind him. Matt Raider, RB seventy nine. I mean, nobody gives a shit about drafting him. You know, I've been, yeah, I've been Jay, a Jason guy Corbin. over the last couple of years, you know, last several years when he was in San Francisco. But, you know, he's flamed out in spectacular fashion in two places. So, uh, at the end of the day, like, he's he's nothing more than a nothing more than a change of pace, familiar with the system guy. That's it. Yeah. But um, but uh, going going on to the wide receivers, this will be interesting. First, we have Kadarius Tony. Going off the board at wide receiver 48. So that's the middle of the 10th round. Um, I think he's, I think he's a value. I don't think his ADP is going to climb that much. Uh, I think he's a value where he's at middle of the 10th round. I, I like this range for him. And again, Gene, like I mentioned, I'm going to, he's probably going to be on one of my target lists because I, I am all over um, Kadarius Tony. There was only two rookie wide receivers last year. 
that averaged over two yards per route run. Do you know who they were? I know Jamar Chase was one of them. I know for a fact. Darius Tony was the other. Yep. Kadarius Tony was other. So history suggests that, you know, with the vast majority of the rookies who hit that two yards per route run threshold, they later go on to have a wide receiver one season at some point in their career. So uh, yeah. his ADP is, again, wide receiver 48. That's 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 stealing. Um, you know, in the games that Sterling Shepard didn't play, the same Sterling Shepard who's co- recovering from an Achilles injury or from an Achilles tear, averaged around 14 fantasy points per game. That would have ranked eighth in the NFL. And, you know, Kadarius Tony was also seventh uh, um, in the NFL in targets per, you know, target rate. So that's basically targets per route run. So um, it's, yeah, at 28.9%. So he's, he, he gets open, he gets targets, he commands targets. I liked Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony a lot. What do you guys think? He's ridiculous, man. He's so fun to watch. You know, yeah. uh, I remember back in the day, Dante Hall of Kansas City being called the human joystick. Yep. I mean, we first in juke rate. You got the stat listed here. And I would have just guessed, like, just by watching him. He probably ranks up there in juke rate because <laughs> it seems like he's snapping somebody's ankles every week. And he's snapping four or five of them every play. It's, it's crazy how nimble he is when he gets the ball in his hands. I think he just got too much hate last year where people were talking about, you know, oh, the Giants should have never taken him. It was a reach. You know, they messed up the draft. But he actually played really well. I'm with you, Icon. It like at wide receiver 48 cost in the 10th round. Like I'm looking at my wide receiver four, you know, like in worst case scenario, probably best case wide receiver five or six on my team. I'm willing to take the shot on him. You know, if I'm willing to draft Jahan Dotson another 20 spots later, <laughs> why not nope. take a guy – Again, another moonshot type player in Kadarius Tony because it could pay off pretty big for you where he becomes a solid starter for you. Like He's not going to be a wide receiver one for you, but to be in there, to plug him in at your third wide receiver spot if he hits, that's a hell of a move to get him right there. Yep, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I like Kadarius a lot. Um, this is a good spot. And again, like this is an ambiguous wide receiver room. Like Your, your highest paid wide receiver in Kenny Galladay is going – what almost ten picks at ten wide receiver spots after him? So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, sign me up, man. Um, I'll take my chance on Kadarius Tony with with Dable, knowing how they get the players that the players that can they can make plays the ball. Yeah, and, and you mentioned uh, Kenny Galladay, uh, wide receiver fifty five. I think I, I I honestly think both of these wide receivers are due for a bounce back year. Um, especially on Kenny, Kenny Galladay's case, if he could just stay healthy, I mean that that's a that's a big ask, right? It's a big ask for a lot of these players. Just stay healthy, right? <laughs> but man, like he had like he he had he had 13 end zone targets last year and no touchdowns. And that was the most that was the most end zone targets without a touchdown of any wide receiver last year. So some some regression is due to hit him in some capacity. Um, so. I, I feel like you should almost throw 2021 out of the window because he got hurt in training camp and he was just never the same um, throughout the season. He, he was, I mean, he should see, he should see plenty of targets in this offense. He should be the outside, the outside alpha, the outside playmaker. We've seen him be good. Like we've seen him be really good in Detroit. You know, he's going around the range of guys like, you know, would you take, would you take him or would you take Alan Lazard? 
I would say Kenny Galladay over Alan Lazard, quite honest. Really? Yeah. Because oh, we, no, when have you ever seen Alan Lazard be good? Just think about that for a second. Like, when have you ever seen him be good? Yes, he's yes, he's in Green Bay. Yes, he's the incumbent number one receiver. But I mean, we've seen a lot of situations where you know a guy is the incumbent number one because of vacated targets, and people assume that the targets are going to go to him. Just think about hell. Just think about uh, 2015, where Jordy Nelson got hurt, right, in Green Bay, and the next guy up was Randall Cobb. We just assumed that Randall Cobb was going to gobble up all the targets. What did Randall Cobb end up doing that season? Jack shit. Nothing. Nothing. It's a, I feel like it's a similar case. And, you know, Alan Lazar wasn't even the second highest player targeted in Green Bay last year. That was Aaron Jones. Um, and, we, you know, Gene, you and I, we talked several weeks ago about, uh, you know, about, you know about, the, about the Green Bay Packers, about Aaron Jones. And I feel like he potentially could lead Green Bay in targets. Like, yeah. not, not just <laughs> – you know, not just at the running back position, but out of, out of all pass catchers in Green Bay, I feel like he he has a, a, the potential to do that because you don't have anybody that's really proven themselves. You know, Sammy Watkins can't stay hurt or stay hurt, stays hurt, stay, can't stay healthy. Christian Watson's a rookie. You know, even though he's the highest drafted rookie in, in the Aaron Rodgers era, but rookies can't really get acclimated that that quickly, uh, especially playing with Aaron Rodgers. And then they have Amari Rodgers from last year. But who knows what we're going to get out of him, you know? So there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks in that receiving court. But but back to Galladay, I mean, we've seen Galladay be good, and if he can if he can be healthy, like Galladay at his best versus Alan Lazard at his best, like who are you taking? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would take Galladay okay. if you're getting both at their you're, best. You're taking Galladay. You're taking yeah. Galladay. Those two players at their best. You're taking Galladay. Like, come on. Yes, at their best. Yes. Yeah. Mo- yeah, motivated at their best. I think that's the problem with Kenny Galladay, though. Like, have we already seen his best? Like, is it past him now? Did he get his payday? Is he not motivated as enough anymore? Is he now a an injury risk? Like, I don't know. There was times last year when he was playing it. Just he just looked kind of uninterested. Like he was like, ah, I'm good, man. And, and maybe that's just because the Giants were bad. Like I can completely understand it. A bad team, like you, you have a tough time staying motivated. So maybe Dable's offense motivates them a little bit more. Maybe they're a little bit more competitive. I, I agree with you there on the the Galladay at his best or Lazard. Like it's Galladay, no question. I just, for me, man, I don't know if I'm like willing to take another risk on Kenny Galladay if I just let somebody else have him. Like you take the risk. Like let me go to a, you know, let me let me go. If I'm gonna get risky, let me go Kadarius Tony. <laughs> like if I'm gonna get risky, that's twelve. It's a twelfth round risk. I mean, it's not really much of a risk. It's twelfth round. I mean, by that time you're picking players that 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 may possess some upside, and yeah. if they bust, then you can cut them without really any, you know, without too much ramification. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting so, one. Like yeah. I probably do like Kenny Galladay a little bit more than most, but I don't know. He just doesn't strike me as a guy like I'm falling over myself to go get. Like, I get him cool. If not, oh well. Wide receiver fifty five. I mean, I, I I would I would definitely take a flyer on. I mean, it's it. I, I think it's worth it, especially in the twelfth round. Especially when you see the guy. He was going hell several years ago. He was going what the third, fourth round in drafts. Yeah, yeah. 
when he was actually when he was actually healthy and on the field producing. So, um, but yeah, and then rounding out the wide receiver room for the Giants, Wando Robinson, wide receiver eighty five, uh, no. going for free. Don't really want anything to do with him right now, at least in the early part of fantasy. He may emerge as somebody that you can you know keep on your bench and uh, and, and maybe play. If you're in a pinch on, a, you know, for bye weeks and things of that nature, but we're not really targeting him early on in the season. But that rounds out the Giants. Okay, so let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and hit Mike's team, man. Let's talk about the Eagles, man. Yeah, All right. That's what we came so <laughs> PFF <laughs> PFF graded their offense ranked seventh, which I was surprised about. You know, just because of you know their style, the style of their offense, you wouldn't have thought that they were the seventh ranked offense in the league last year. Um, the the most notable move that they made this past season was, I mean, this offseason is that they traded for A.J. Brown. They got aggressive. They saw opportunity. They saw the Titans weren't going to go pay A.J. Brown. So they said, hey, we'll, let's take him off your hands. We'll do it. So they got aggressive. They got A.J. Brown. They got their number one guy uh, for their offense. So which leads me to my first question off the bat. Um, can can this offense support A.J. Brown as a top 12 wide receiver? Um, because that's where he's being drafted right now. He's, he's he's being drafted at wide receiver eleven. So, Mike, not a fucking chance. He said, "Not a chance. Not a fucking chance. Not a chance. Come on, top twelve wide receiver. No, that didn't happen. He's nice. He's nice, and I I think I'm still recovering from the hamstring I pulled." On the Destination Debbie draft night stream oh, <laughs> when they traded for AJ Brown. So I, I still got that coming where a few months later it still hurts. But <laughs> come on, man. Top 12 wide receiver in this offense with Devontae Smith there and Goddard and whatever the hell we do at running back, who whoever we decide to not give the football to, <clears throat> cough Miles Sanders. Uh, oh, <laughs> top tw- top twelve is is being way too way too generous. He he he's amazing. He's he's probably now in this offense, a better NFL football player than he is going to be a fantasy asset. Like, I think he's a little bit overvalued still in a lot of people's minds. Now, if we're talking dynasty in the long term, I still rank him high because situations can change. We don't know what's going to happen in quarterback next year. Like, if Jalen Hurts is still there, does the offense look the same? Do they invest in a veteran? Do they go out and get a rookie? There's a lot of options. So, in Dynasty, I didn't make a move for him. Like I, I think from going from Tennessee to to Philly is at best just a lateral move. We can kind of just expect the same from him. But I'm not top 12, man. That's going to be such a hard, hard thing to accomplish with all the talented wide receivers and passing offenses that we have out there. Top 12 seems insane and asinine to me. So insane and asinine, even though – even though they started off the season last year as being really, really pass heavy, like they were about 55, 45 past the run. They were fifth in situation neutral pass play rate in, in, in weeks one through seven. Jalen Hurts was playing a lot of, you know, you know, playing a lot of, I guess, what they would call, what the cool kids would call hero ball, right? Um, you know, playing from behind a lot and, you know, throwing a lot, a lot of passes. But he didn't have an A.J. Brown to throw to. He had Jay. Who was his number two wide receiver? You talked about number two wide receivers uh, last, you know, earlier earlier in the show. His number two wide receiver was was Jalen fucking Ray. 
Uh, Quez Watkins. <laughs> Quez Watkins. <laughs> Jalen Rager was a nobody. <laughs> Jalen Rager does not exist. We do oh, not speak his name. He's. he's I, I, I wanted. I honestly, I wanted to see how you would react to that name, Jalen Rager, because. I know it would, it would trigger some stuff about how how, no. how they should have drafted Justin Jefferson over, but man, uh, bro, I, we I could have the the greatest wide receiver core ever assembled if Howie Roseman just made the right choices. We could have DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Justin Jefferson. Who's stopping that? Sheesh! Instead, yeah. we screwed them up. But hey, we got yeah. Devontae Smith right. Bing, we got one, and then we yeah. just trade for AJ. You got Brown, him right. So. You definitely, you definitely got him right. Um, but 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 AJ Brown, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think um I think it would be hard though to support him as a top twelve wide receiver because if if he's going to be a top twelve wide receiver, he would have to be super efficient. And look, and that's what he's been. I mean, that's what he's been in Tennessee, right? I mean, he has a career yards per route run about two, of about two point six, and he's been above two point six every single year since his second year in the league. He had a career high in yards per route run of two point seven two. So he's when he when he gets on the field, he he just he's an animal. He produces. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so, a, that's elite, um, man. That's elite that, number. That, that is an elite um you know, yards per route run. And then him and Jalen Hurts are, are are apparently super buddy buddy. Uh, I think their kids go on vacations together or their families go on vacations together. So I think they're, you know, there's there's the whole shower narrative that's building between those two, even though he's only been there for an hour. So I, I don't know. I, I think I think he'll step in and get targets, but top 12 is kind of, I don't know. It, it's, it's a tall ask, even though we've, we've seen AJ Brown be awesome. And um, we know he's battled his fair share of injuries, but when he's on the field, he is his per game, his per game splits are just nuts. So I think he may, he may fall somewhere in the, in the, in the 15 to 18 range when it's all said and done. And that's great. That's fine. But top 12, um, there's, there's, there's probably be other guys that I've drafted. Um, over it. it, it pains me to say this because he's just so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's I just I, I don't know. There's there'd be other guys that I'd be willing to, to draft over him, but uh, but I, I still I still plan on having some shares of AJ Brown this this fall in many of my leagues um, because I I just a talent like that you just have to have on your team because there's yeah. the spike potential is is out of this world. Yeah. So. Uh, a quick side note, since do you think somebody like uh, you would take somebody like Deontay Johnson, who's going wide receiver 15, would you take him over AJ Brown? 110% for me. Okay. But I, I'll be labeled the Deontay Johnson fanboy. I have a type. <laughs> I have a type. I, John Dotson. Yeah, Deontay you do Johnson. have a type. <laughs> I, uh, Mm, probably so because of the consistency and the target floor. Okay. Like you just, you you can't hit like Deontay Johnson, uh, you know, he gets open all the time and whatever quarterback is going to be behind center or under center, he's, he, he's going to find them open, right? He, he's going to. Okay. Well, so okay. I, that so, looked painful. That looked really painful. It did. Look, it, it, was, right. it was. It so was really painful for me to, go, to, to talk through that. But I, I, I I, all right, I got two more for you. Uh, wide receiver thirteen, Jalen Waddle. Will you take him over AJ Brown? Hell no. No. Nope. Absolutely okay. not. All right, one more. Jalen Waddle is take- valuable. Yeah, he Bingo. is. Yes. All right, one more. DJ Moore, wide receiver sixteen. Will you take him over AJ Brown? Oh, you know it's Dennis and Oliver Moore Jr. Man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what kind of question was that? 
No. Ooh. No, I would take AJ Brown before DJ Moore. Really? Okay. Yes. Okay. 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 It's not a DJ Moore problem, and, and we talked earlier. Baker Mayfield, probably an upgrade. It's fucking Matt Rule and the inability to throw touchdown passes in that offense. Like, you know, yeah. we think it's DJ Moore can't score touchdowns. No, it's just the offense is trash, and they just don't throw touchdowns as a whole. Yeah. So yeah. his touchdown share is actually fantastic. I just don't trust Matt Rule to you yeah. know, do anything. Yeah. And side note, he's already – I mean, before the – I mean, before the draft, he had already talked about that he wants to run the ball more. That's oh the reason gosh. why they got rid that got rid of uh, uh, what Joe Brady during the middle of the Jesus. season. He he was emphasis was like, I want to run the ball more, which is fucking stupid. But Pete, Pete Carroll of the East yeah. Coast. You notice the theme of these coaches that come out and say they want to run the ball more, and then you, you, I wish you could just like fast forward to the end of the season and just show their record, when, and, and they're like they get the fired. Top. They're, or they're getting fired. They're picking in the top ten. That never fucking yeah. works. Switch it up. Yeah, Stop never. saying you want to run the ball more. Stop saying that. It. It. It's dumb. Yeah. All right. Key fantasy players. First player, Jalen Hurts. Quarterback seven. Uh, going right now in in, in redraft. Uh, you know he was seventh in rushing first downs with fifty six. Um, you know we we know you know what you're gonna get out of Jalen. He's he's a dual quite court quarterback. He's a Konami code type quarterback. Um, not that accurate, uh, but he will. He, he he can make every throw, but he just he just not that accurate. Um, and we saw pretty much the first half of the season. He was QB one overall. Um, yep. Just before that, it wasn't injury. until he got he got yeah he got hurt. He hurt his ankle and just kind of you know just went downhill from there. But um, I, I mean, I like Jalen a, a lot. Um, I, I really, really hope that they commit to him, honestly, um, because I think he, I think he's a solid enough quarterback. Um, and I think QB seven um, in redraft, I think that's a good, I think that's a good spot for him, honestly. So, uh, what are y'all thoughts on on Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts at QB seven actually feels low to me, to be mm, honest. Okay, I, okay. We're not talking the uh, the dynasty aspect. You know what Adam and I usually do. Yeah, we have that little bit of worry about what happens next year and all that yep. bullshit. Yeah, this year, one year, like on my dynasty contenders, when I play it more like a redraft, QB seven feels low, man. Like I would take him over they, Joe Burrow. Yeah, they got Joe Burrow him, over him. I would take him over Kyler Murray. Okay, they got him at five. The and question get- becomes like Lamar or Jalen Hurts for me. Like Ooh. I think you're talking Allen, Herbert, Mahomes, and then it's. Lamar or Jalen Hurts. So, you wanted to put him that high? I'd be good with it. For one damn season, man, we have seen what he can do when he rolls. And he got him A.J. Brown, for Christ's sakes. They got him A.J. Brown. So, I'm I'm excited for Jalen Hurts, at least for this year. Okay. Ike? Oh, man. Lamar Lamar or Jalen Hurts. Oh, man. Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, (laughs) That's quite the dichotomy there. Um, but no, I, I I like I like Jalen Hurts. I think QB seven is is appropriate for him. I'll 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 be having you know quite a few shares of Jalen Hurts this fall as well. Hopefully, I can stack him with AJ Brown because I know there's a lot of spike potential there. Um, so I, I'll because you know Jalen Hurts he was number one in the number one amongst all quarterbacks in rushing yards, seven hundred and eighty two yards rushing, um, red zone carries per game number one, uh, red zone carries number two carries per game nine point three. So he he was he was fully unlocked as a as a 
and obviously number one in carries at, at 140. So he was fully unro- unlocked uh, as 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 a Konami code uh, quarterback. So yeah, that's that's what you want. That's what you, that's what you want in fantasy. You want mobile quarterbacks. You want quarterbacks that that run. And you want quarterbacks that score touchdowns and you know on the ground because uh, that's an extra you know that that's that's significantly extra points. Uh, you, like you have an advantage over the rest of the field, especially if you have a guy that's as consistent. As Jalen Hurts, uh, number one in the number one in, amongst all quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns as well. So, yeah, uh, if he can clean, you know, clean up the you know the the, the accuracy uh, issues that he had, uh, but him him getting a weapon like AJ Brown is only going to help him. <laughs> so again, there's 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 nowhere there's nowhere else to go but up, right? There's nowhere else to go but up. He was already number one in the NFL, you know, number one uh, the the number one quarterback, you know, prior to that injury. So. I think him getting AJ Brown just can can solidify that ceiling for him, or can keep that keep that ceiling there for him. So I think, yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot to like about uh, Jalen Hurts. The running back room: uh, Miles Sanders, um, running back twenty five. We got Kenneth Gainwell, running back fifty six, and Boston Scott. Who cares, uh, Mike? I see you shaking your head. Talk to me about Miles Sanders because I mean Miles Sanders. People will tell you that he wasn't good because he didn't score. He didn't score any touchdowns. But if you really look like the yards per carry, how efficient he was, especially in the first half of, of games, I don't get it. I don't get why they use him the way they use him because he was really good. So um, he, tell me your thoughts on on him. He is fucking fantastic when he's healthy and they give him the football. But one. He has a hard time staying healthy sometimes. He seems to get banged up a lot. Like he's on that Dalvin Cook type workout regimen, I suppose, where gets hamstring pulls just randomly. I I don't know what the problem is there. But even when he is healthy, man, the way the Eagles have used him, Doug Pearson and now Nick Sirianni, it's just like, hey, randomly in the fourth quarter, we're just going to pull you off the field, even though you're averaging seven yards a carry because we need uh, some Jordan Howard fucking touches here. (laughs) Like, let's go. Or, or, hey, it's Boston Scott time. Like, he's going to play all the third quarter even though he's trash. I I don't understand it with Miles (laughs) Sanders. I see he's going as RB25. Probably right. Like, man, I don't know how much more bullish you want to get on him because, again, kind of like the Matt Rule thing, you got to trust the coaching staff to actually use the players in the right way and – I have no faith in Nick Sirianni figuring out how to use Miles Sanders correctly because, I mean, you got all the stats here. You can read them all off here. He performs really, really well. It's just like, why? Why do we just sit him for an entire quarter? Why do we sit him in the biggest moments of the game? Like, we don't like winning, so, hey, we'll put shittier players on the field. (laughs) (laughs) You got anything, Ike? (laughs) I think Miles Sanders is due for a bounce back year of mass proportions. Uh, so think about this. The last, the last running back to have over 150 plus touches and score no touchdowns. Do you remember who that guy was? I have no clue who that was. Nope. The last guy to do that was Melvin Gordon in 2015 and the following season. He finished as the RB seven. He scored double digit touchdowns. Oh, I'm I'm back in. So <laughs> Miles said, my, look, so uh, so Miles Sanders' seventeen game pace was just shy of thirteen hundred yards. Like so, he averaged around seventy seventy six yards 
uh, per game. And yeah, so I look again to your point, Mike. Just got to stay healthy. Boys on the field. He was really good. He was efficient. Yeah, yeah. He was efficient. Break, breakaway run rate was fifth in the NFL. Third and two yards per carry. Tenth in yards per touch. Like, come on. Like he he was he was the Eagles' best running back. He just didn't score any fucking touchdowns. So frustrating. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe the Eagles led the, the Eagles led the NFL in touchdowns in, in rushing touchdowns. I believe. Yeah. And Miles Sanders had none. Yeah. Makes no sense. They kept, put, they kept putting Boston Scott uh, in goal line situations. It's <laughs> horrible. Absolutely atrocious. Like, There's what? no excuse. Like, yeah. So for whatever reason, they hate Miles Sanders. I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. But this is his contract year. He's probably not going to be back in 2023. Um, and I, I think he should go to another place that that'll treat him right. So, but after he smashes this year, because he's going to smash, um, that's we we can we can cross that bridge uh, after. Yeah. All right. Then we got the the third down back in Kenneth Gainwell in the thirteenth. We treat him like J D. McKissick. You know, he's he's at the end of the draft. You, if you want to if you want to dabble in that, you dabble in that. If you don't, you're not losing any sleep. So. Um, and then you got Boston Scott. I'm not even. He's not, he shouldn't even be on your radar. He just. Nope. He just. A, he just. Next. A guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the wide receiver room. We've already talked about AJ Brown. Uh, he's going wide receiver eleven, but we think that's overvalued right now, um, just because we don't believe that they'll be able to support him as a, a, a top twelve wide receiver. It's because because of, of how the offense is ran. And Mike has said it. We don't really trust how he's going to use them because. I mean, we saw how Devontae was used last year um, as much as he was open and he wasn't getting the ball. Um, but that could be a function of, you know, the, the offensive line wasn't that good towards the end of the year. Um, Jalen Hurts wasn't really being that good. I mean, after his first read, he he was tucking the ball and he was running. So it was a, a few factors, but uh, but overall, we just don't think wide receiver 11 is is – is the best value for for AJ. Uh Devonta Smith, he's going wide receiver 38. <sighs> I mean, that's the end of the seventh. Uh, we saw him average almost 11 year, uh, 11 fantasy points per game, which was 36 wide receiver that's back in the wide receiver three. Um, he was third in, in receiving yards as a uh, for rookie wide receivers. If you just take a look at like his like his A dot, he was six, air yard share, he was six. He was tenth in 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 the NFC with catches over twenty five yards. So that's um, just let you know that the Eagles use him in, in uh, deep deep routes. Uh, they trust him deep routes. I mean, we we even saw him uh, when he was one on one. Usually, most of the time he was open uh, with AJ Brown. That should open him up even more uh, for more opportunities. So uh, I, I I think wide receiver thirty eight is actually a little low in my opinion for for. A, for Devontae, what, what what is y'all thoughts on on him? You hit it, man. Like I think the biggest winner out of the AJ Brown trade, besides Jalen Hurts, you know, having another weapon is Devontae Smith. Now we get to see him against shittier corners and not drawing extra help <laughs> over the top. Like that's pretty exciting. Now, consistency wise, is probably going to be lacking for you. So if like you're just trying to plug yeah. him in as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, mm, you might be disappointed more times than not, but. Damn, the spike week should be spicy for you. So in best ball, especially huge target for me where he's going. Uh, lineup leagues, man, he wouldn't be bad for a flex option. 
he wouldn't be like you just kind of plug yeah. him in and he may only get you five points but he may have that 20 25 point week because he just overmatching crappier corners and aj brown's taking all the coverage so i like him wide receiver 38 doesn't seem like a bad price at all yeah I, yeah i completely agree yeah 30 wide receiver 38 that's i think he's going out of going out of value i don't think him and aj brown should have that much of a delta between them um whenever they're being drafted um so yeah i i like i like the spot for Devonta smith Okay. And then we got Quez Watkins. I mean, he's free. He's not really fantasy relevant. He's somebody that you might draft in best ball, but lineup leagues, I'm not – unless somebody gets hurt, I'm not even thinking about him. Next. Uh, even though he was 13th in yards per catch, I'm not, I'm not even thinking about it um, because the volume is just not going to be there. And then Dallas Goddard, you know, tight end eight. He's going to early seventh. Um, I think that's pretty good range for him. I mean, he was – he was first um, – he was eighth in the NFL in terms of uh, receptions resulting in first downs, which was 75% of his receptions went for first downs. That's, that's a, that's a big-ass number. He was only one of two tight ends to have over two yards per route run and, and yak uh, per reception of six yards. The only other uh, tight end above him was Kittle. You know, we already know Kittle is a yak monster, so that just lets you know how, how great um, – Dallas Goddard was last year. He was pretty much their number one target in the offense last year. So uh, what is y'all thoughts on on Dallas Goddard? I think with Dallas Goddard is maybe it's my overall lack of just really giving a shit about the tight end position anymore. Outside <laughs> of like dynasty, I take Kyle Pitts and then nobody else. Like that's it. But <laughs> in redraft wise, man, if I, if I had to take a tight end in the spot, like Dallas Goddard's good and he's fine and all. And I don't you know, he's a good player. I don't want to dog him, but I think I'd rather just pay up a little bit more and go get your guys' boy, Dalton Schultz. Like, let me pay up just a little bit more, and I'd feel a lot better about it. Like, if I had to take a tight end that was a target in the, the sixth, seventh round, I'd, I'd just much rather. I feel safer about the role and the offense that Dalton Schultz is in than Dallas Goddard. So, the, I guess that's the biggest knock. It's, it's not the player. It's just, you know, the Philly offense, more a little bit more run-focused, a little bit more grind the clock. Like, it kind of leads you to worse weeks where Dallas, I think, will be more up-tempo throwing the football more and scoring more fantasy points at the tight end position. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Dallas Goddard a lot, actually, as, as a tight end. Um, but in terms of his, his, redraft, his redraft price versus his, you know, underdog best ball price, I've, I've gotten him – in more best ball leagues. I've, so I've gotten him in a couple, in a couple of the underdogs, a couple of the underdogs, the best ball mania. Um, I think I have him like in three, um, three, three, you know, three entries right now. And I think I have him a couple of, in a couple of puppies. So, um, and I was able just to, you know, to, to just to get him, I guess, I think around the ninth round or something like that in, in those, um, in those drafts. So I think, I think if, if, if it came down to it and he was available in the maybe ninth round in redraft this fall, I would probably take a stab at it, take a stab at it. But anything earlier than that, there's, there's probably other guys in that range that I would prefer over Dallas Goddard. That's fair. That's pretty much the end of the Eagles. Uh, I go ahead and bring us home with, with the with the team that everybody's uh, been waiting for, <laughs> yeah. last, last and certainly, but not sat and certainly, certainly not least, we are going to cap off our wonderful team by team preview series 
with the hometown team, the reigning, defending, undisputed NFC East champions, the Dallas Cowboys, who PFF ranked their offense as number one, numero uno, last year, of, you know, amongst all those other you know world beater offenses, we were number one. That's right. That's us. Um, but, you know, we are realists as well. And the Dallas Cowboys this offseason have made a lot of questionable moves, a lot of questionable offseason front office moves, starting with inexplicably trading wide receiver Amari Cooper for a, a half-eaten bag of Sour Patch Kids and <laughs> some cru- some crushed up Flanions. Um, I, I I still don't understand this trade. This the trade continues to to not age well, considering the considering the fact that other wide receivers who've gotten traded after him, uh, teams have gotten a lot more for those guys. But for some reason, we the Cowboys didn't want to pay Amari Cooper twenty million dollars. I don't know why because that's pretty much the going rate now for wide receivers. That's actually a bargain now compared to what other people have signed since then. But Amari Cooper's twenty million was just so burdensome. We had we had to shed that salary, right? We had to. But whatever. Um, they signed career Jag James Washington. Uh, yeah, <laughs> who continue who continuously gets beat out by rookies in Pittsburgh. Or who continuously got beat out by rookies in Pittsburgh, and now he's just going to bring his Jag self over to the Cowboys receiving core, where he's going to get beat out by another rookie in Jalen Tolbert, who we drafted in the third round, who is getting a lot of buzz in camp. And uh, a recent beat report that just came out today suggests that he is going to start in week one, or that he is in line to start in week one which makes all the sense in the world, which is what most of us speculated because we knew James 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 Washington's a jag. Michael Gallup, who, who we re-signed for a five-year, $57 million deal, is most likely going to start the season on the pup list. Um, so, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We did lose tight end Blake Jarwin, and we lost wide receiver Cedric Wilson to the Dolphins. He... he Decided to chase greener pastures in in Miami. I look that weather is great to great, so I don't so I don't I don't fault him for that. Chase that money, young man. Chase that money. But a couple of questions we want to get into, and it's 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 a question that we always ask every single off season, and it has to do with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, right? It has to do with those two always. So. The question is, is this the, finally the year that Tony Pollard gets unlocked and potentially overtake Zeke as the Cowboys RB1? Or will Zeke hold him off and will he himself return to RB1 status? Gene, let's, I'm going to start with you. Um, I think Zeke returns to the RB1 status. Um, he was hurt a lot of last season. I mean, last season we also heard about Pollard supposed to be getting this more work and playing the slide, blah, blah, blah. And what did we see? 
not that shit. So uh, <laughs> I think with Zeke being in his contract year, basically uh, his last year of guaranteed money, I should say, uh, we're just going to run him to the ground and, you know, dump him to the side once the season's over, in my opinion. Um, that's the most logical thing to do if they're trying to be, you know, cap sensitive all of a sudden or always. So I think I think that's the outcome of what, you, what we see in this backfield. I think you hit that nail exactly on the head. I've been for a while like Tony Pollard over Zeke guy, but I think this year I finally just came to the realization that that's not going to happen, at least in 2022. It's it's not. I mean, I had the hope last year we got to see a little bit more, but just not enough. I definitely think the Cowboys would be a better offense if they just turned it over to Tony Pollard and they played up-tempo with him instead of Zeke, but uh, they're not going to. So I've made my bet that Zeke on all my contenders on Dynasty roster I'm way overweight on, and I have them all over. So I'm going to make – I made the bet. Now I'm going to lie in it for this year. Zeke over Tony Pollard, and then, you know, we'll play it by year going going forward if they actually do dump him to the side, which I think is probably a logical move. So, I think, I don't know, um, there and there was, another, there was actually another beat report that suggested that Tony Pollard was going to be uh, used more in the slot. Uh, he's going to be on the field a lot more, utilized, you know, just mainly in the receiving game in tandem with Zeke, right? And so with Zeke on the field, Tony Pollard on the field at the same time, uh, keeping the defense off balance. I think that's the better way to play it. Uh, last year, we, we most of us Cowboys fans saw that Zeke was hurt and we wanted him off the field, right? Because he was just hurting the team. He was hurting the run game. Tony Pollard was the more explosive guy. But that's the only reason why we wanted him off the field because Zeke was just ineffective and he was hurt. You know, after four weeks in 2021, Zeke was fifth in explosive run, explosive play rate. He was seventh in yards after contact per carry, fourth in yards per game, uh, tenth in PFF rush grade. Uh, this is prior to him te- tearing his PCL, so he was basically old Zeke for the first four weeks last year. And then after that, you know, he was 41st in PFF rush grade, 45th in explosive play rate. You know, he only averaged 3.8 yards per carry versus, you know, the 5.3 yards per carry that he averaged, you know, in the first four weeks. And then he was 54th in yards after contact per carry. So there was a, a, a glaring, glaring difference in, in Zeke's explosiveness and his effectiveness, um, you know, from from weeks five through 18. So there was – and, and you know, Tony Pollard, he wasn't healthy the second half of the season himself because – if you remember, I think he tore his plantar fascia, um, I think, at the Saints game or the, the Washington game. can't remember what game it was, but he he, he was not himself uh, last year towards the end of the year. Yes. He, he, so, uh, but I, I think I, I don't I don't want to look at it as a, as a Tony Pollard is going to overtake Z kind of thing. I would like to see them both work in tandem. And to where Tony Pollard will have some standalone value, and if and if Zeke is healthy, um, and if Zeke is healthy, he can maintain his role, and, and Tony Pollard can just be used more in the passing game, and maybe spell Zeke a little bit more, get some get some other you know high value touches. Uh, Zeke outtouched Tony Pollard last year, two fifty or two eighty to like one sixty nine, something along those lines. Uh, you know, Tony Pollard's touches have gone up every year, but still like. 
he 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 still has not um, overtaken Zeke, and, and Zeke's you know contract is going to keep him on the field um, as long as he's healthy, as long as he's effective. He's going to continue to play over Tony Pollard, and that's just the reality, at least for one more year, um, until we see what happens next year. So going into uh, the key fantasy players, um, we're going to start with quarterback, our quarterback, Rain, Dakota, Prescott, <laughs> who, continues to pr- who continues to produce every year in fantasy, despite what people think of him before the season. Um, he's currently going off the board as a QB8. So that's, you know, the end, you know, the end of the seventh round. Uh, so what do you guys think about Dak, uh, Dak's prospects? Uh, for the 2022 season. I know he lost Cooper. I know he's going to be without Gallup for the first quarter, at least first quarter of the season. Um, you know, just curious to give you guys thoughts on, you know, what what you foresee uh, for this offense. Hey, Dak's fantastic, man. As an Eagles fan, I can still admit that. He's the last, probably the last of, like, the elite quarterbacks that you really want, like the game changers. Um, but he's in that tier. He's still in that tier. No matter what happens with Dallas being dumb and shipping away Amari Cooper for for whatever, he still has weapons. The offense is still going to be good. It's still going to be up tempo, and it's everything that you want in a quarterback. And Dak can produce fantasy points. Now that's what we play the game for. We don't play it for whether you can slide properly in time and spike the ball efficiently in playoff <laughs> games. Sorry, I had to get that shot at least once in the show. My, my bad. Oh, man. But, yeah, that, Dak's fine. I mean, QB8, it's a good spot for him. It really is. Yeah, I agree. QBA is right where he needs to be. Um, they've even talked about him running more this year since he's a year removed from that ankle injury, two years removed from that ankle injury. So, um, perfect spot. I don't really have anything else to add to that. He's a very, very accurate quarterback. Um, our offense is pretty quarterback friendly, so uh, great spot for him. Yeah, and the interesting thing about the ankle injury is like we, we have to we have to like take into account that last year going like going into the twenty twenty one season, he spent all most of the off season rehabbing that ankle. Right, he didn't have a normal off season, and then if you go back another off season to you know to twenty twenty off season, he you know it was it was basically COVID COVID basically ruined a lot of what these teams could do, you know, in terms of meeting up and, and, and having practices and things of that nature. They did a lot of shit uh, uh, virtual. So that was not a normal offseason. So Dak Prescott has not really had a normal offseason since, what, 2019? Um, and, or yet since 2019 prior to, like, this offseason, which seems to be a normal offseason now. Uh, I think he had a cleanup earlier this uh you know, maybe several months ago, but now he's 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 full goal, full you know, full strength, full speed ahead. So I so I think he's 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 ready to rock and roll. And you know, he's he's increased his passing touchdowns each of the, each of the last like three full seasons that he's played. He went from twenty two in twenty eighteen, thirty in twenty nineteen, and then now thirty seven in twenty twenty one. And 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 a lot of people say that he had a slump but some some way shape or form and that was just kind of i don't know that that was just kind of like an offensive execution kind of thing and that coincided with the offensive lines play eroding uh zeke being ineffective and kellen moore not really changing shit uh from from an offensive standpoint because um i remember reading 
I remember reading a like a study from one of the from one of the Cowboys, that I, I think beat writers or one of the guys from Blocking the Boys. He did a study about how Kellen Moore didn't really change his tendencies throughout the season because um, it looked like you know from the first half of the season, from the second half, like from the second half of the season, that Kellen Moore stopped calling certain plays and things of that nature. But the truth of the matter is, like his 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 plat his pass play rate on neutral situations was the same. It was virtually the same. His tendencies were virtually the same. It was just boiled down to execution. It just came down to execution. So um, there is a lot of misconceptions about how the second half of the season played out, and, and, and Dak kind of got unfairly criticized for it, considering the fact that you know he he himself he got hurt during the season. He was still trying to work his way back. That's why he didn't really run that much uh, uh, during the season. And you know, you know, back to, you know, back back to it like a fantasy perspective. You know, Dak Prescott. You know, since he entered the league, his points per game averages. You know, QB nine, QB thirteen, QB fourteen, QB three, QB one, and QB eight points per game. Uh, you know, over over his last you know six years, and QB one obviously was twenty twenty, which is which was a small sample size before he got hurt. Um, and then you know, there's there's a, there's QBs that have had you know uh, twenty five plus fantasy points um, the most often since twenty nineteen. Um, Lamar Jackson was number one at forty three percent, and number two is Dak. At forty-one percent, so so he had a, he has a lot of twenty-five plus point fantasy uh, fantasy games um, in him uh, on you know in, in any given moment in time. So so Dak is an excellent fantasy quarterback and an excellent real life quarterback, despite what Cowboy fans may think <laughs> or that Cowboy fans may think. So um, so yeah, so Dak QB eight, I think that's a pretty good range for him um, and. Even though he's 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 down Cooper and down some of these other weapons, I think he'll be fine. He should he should be running the ball a little bit more because before 2020, uh, he had three straight years of uh, three straight years of of six plus touchdown runs. So I think he may get get somewhere close to that um, in 2022. And then we just kind of we already kind of touched touched on uh, the running back room. Uh, Zeke's going at RB 17, so middle of the third. Some places I've seen him go like early fourth. Uh, if you're getting if you're getting a guy that's basically only missed one game in his NFL career due to injury in the fourth round, and never finished lower than the RB twelve in total points and RB fifteen points per game in the fourth round, uh, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, there, there's a lot of people in the fantasy community that are pre- pre- predicting. Tony Pollard's uh, ascent over Zeke like this year, but I don't know if it's gonna happen as soon as they as soon as they're making it. I mean, twenty twenty three could could potentially be a thing, but right, I think twenty twenty two. I think Zeke's high probably has one at least one one elite year left um, in him. What do you guys think? I I like it, man. We got both of them here listed. You got. Zeke at RB seventeen, which you kind of mentioned, and Tony Pollard at RB thirty-two. I, I I really think both of them should be a little bit higher. Um, like I think there's a little bit too much Tony Pollard thing, but it's not reflected in his ADP. Tony Pollard's ADP, but it all seems to be reflected in Zeke's ADP. And, and I don't think there's a reason that both of these can't coexist and outperform their ADPs. So Zeke is an easy one. RB seventeen, man, he should. Definitely be going like maybe like RB13, RB14 at worst. 
I would say. And then Tony Pollard is a pretty easy one. Like we look at, at the premier handcuffs and there's some starting running backs that definitely should be lower than Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard is in my mind, the most premier handcuff in the entire league. Like I would much rather have a Tony Pollard on my team than a, uh, you know, an Alexander Madison or, or uh, Deontay Foreman in, in Carolina. Like Tony Pollard has that top five RB weekly upside if Zeke were to actually go out for a long period of time. And you mentioned earlier, I, he can coexist with Zeke in some sort of standalone range. Like he's not your traditional Naheem Hines, J.D. McKissick, you know, fucking scat back that we don't care about. Like he'll get out there and put up, you know, eight to ten points in a week. And that's solid production. So Zeke definitely needs to be a little bit higher. And I think Tony Pollard actually should be bumped up a little bit. Like I'd be more comfortable taking him in like the RB 28 to 30 range versus RB 32. I think you're still getting a discount on him. And you sure as hell are getting a discount on Zeke, especially if you're talking like early fourth. Fucking sign me over all the Zeke. I'll make my bet in that and lie in it. Yeah, real, real quick, Gene, before you jump in. Tony Pollard averaged around 11 fantasy points per game last year, and he only scored two touchdowns. So he's due for some positive oh, touchdown aggression. He had over 1,000 total yards. So, and yeah, and on 169 touches. So he's he was efficient when he touched the rock. He was efficient yeah. as hell when he touched the rock. Yeah. So, uh, so I agree with Mike in terms of the ADPs for both. Uh, Pollard should definitely be mid-20s, in my opinion. He should be over somebody like Cordero Patterson. I don't think he's going to repeat what he's, he did last year, the first half of the season. Um, he's probably going to be over Devin Signatary, even though he's the starting running back. Uh, I, I think it'd be debatable if you want to put him over Kareem Hunt because we know – uh, we know what Kareem could. Well, let me take that back because think, Kareem is only a third down bat. Yeah. I don't I think, think it's debatable. I'd rather have Tony Pollard, man. Yeah. To be honest. Right. Yeah, With the, the right. Sean Watson situation still up in the air, I don't think that's a hot take at all, man. I yeah. I'd take Tony yeah. Pollard easily. Yeah. You're right about that. Um, I, might, I, might, I might lean Hunt there, but no, that, that is, that is, that's an interesting debate, though. Uh, I, would, I, I may lean Hunt, but. But yeah, overall, he, there should be they should both definitely be a little bit higher than where they're getting taken at right now. So, yeah, uh, onto the wide receiver room. There's one main one main attraction that we definitely need to dive into. Ceedee Lamb going off the board as the wide receiver eight, uh, and Gene when we when we release our tiers uh, later later on this summer. He ain't gonna be my wide receiver. Eight. He gonna be he gonna be higher than that shit. All right, he's gonna be higher. Than wide receiver eight. I'll tell you that right now. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but yeah, middle of the second round. That's I don't I, I don't get that at all. He should be a lot higher than what he is. Uh, again, or what's what's around him? A rookie wide receiver, Jalen Tolbert, third rounder, solid. I like him, but we haven't seen him play on the NFL field. Michael Gallup. Four four weeks, probably four weeks at least, and on the pup list, uh, James Washington, get the fuck out of here, and who else? <laughs> like who who else is going to challenge Ceedee Lamb? What other wide receiver on the roster is going to challenge Ceedee Lamb for targets? Simi Fajoko. <laughs> <laughs> no. Once again, <laughs> and look, nobody, nobody. Let's let's nobody. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I think I think this is CD Lamb's uh, CD Lamb's world, and we're all just living in it. He's top ten in the in NFL history in yards before the age of twenty three. And if you guys if you guys are hip to that stat, you guys know that is a strong indicator of who's who is going to smash in in years going forward. Just think about the guys that are on that list. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson's number one on that list. But Randy Moss is on that list. Odell Beckham was on that list. Uh, Josh Gordon was on that list. T. Higgins is on that list. There's a, there's a lot of like solid players, solid mm-hmm. wide receivers that are on that eight before age 23. Uh, you know, yards before the age 23. Like that is like that is one of the strongest indicators that you're going to be the fucking stud um, for years to come. And C. D. Lamb is top ten in the, on that list uh, as we speak. So um, he he was he finished t- t- last year. He finished 12th in yards per route run. He had 12 receptions, 25 plus yards, which was eighth in the NFL. So he's explosive as hell. 25% of his targets went for 15 plus yards. So yeah, if if you know we had a, if he had a little bit more consistency down the stretch, and you know I think that kind of spoke to my kind of spoke to my point about the offense just kind of lacking execution down the stretch. But Kellen Moore basically calling this similar calling plays at a similar rate, you know, as as he did earlier in the season. But if he just kind of puts it together for the entire year, I mean, he had over seventy, he had seventy nine catches for like eleven hundred yards and six touchdowns, and people were people are down on that. <laughs> people are down on that. So just imagine, like what, like what do you guys think about what you know about Ceedee Lamb and what? The sky, I feel like the sky's the limit for him uh, this year. I'm still trying to do some math in my head. So, you know, I'm at wide receiver eight redraft, right? Wide receiver eight. I can come up with five that I'd put ahead, but I'm still trying to figure out who the hell number six and seven are that people think are going to be better than C.D. Lamb. Debo. Debo is one of them. Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, probably Tyreek Hill. No. Yeah. Those are the no. two. Like, like I, seven and Tyreek is. I'll give you six. the easy ones, right? Chase Jefferson, maybe Devontae Adams, Cup, Stefan Diggs. Like, okay. Yep. And those are exactly the six in front of them. Those are the ones. And then you, you got, oh got Tyreek Hill and uh, Debo Samuel at six and seven. I, I'm not a wide receiver, dude, by I was, I would take Lamb over Debo Samuel. Yeah. I would easy. take Lamb over yeah. Debo. I'm taking Lamb over Tyreek Hill, too. I'm sorry. Like, Tua's, this year? Tua's fine. Yeah. I, I I like Tua in Dynasty. It's a I nice like play. And I, I do like Tua, but come on, man. He's not Patrick fucking Mahomes. Okay? You, we have to <laughs> acknowledge the fact that, that he went from Patrick Mahomes to Tua. Okay? Uh, Seating Lamb, man. There, there's no question he should be wide receiver six, and I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close at all. So, at wide receiver eight prices, man, sign me up. I'm not a wide receiver dude, but I would take him at wide receiver eight if I could get that. I'm excited. Just real quick, real quick, that list of uh, most reception yards for age 23. Justin Jefferson, number one. Randy Moss, number two. Josh Gordon, number three. Juju Smith-Schuster, number four. Mike Evans, number five. Amari Cooper, number six. Larry Fitz, number seven. And number eight is C.D. Lamb at 2,037 yards before the age of 23. That's a Man. fantastic list outside of Juju yeah, Smith. Fantastic list. <laughs> it's fantastic yeah. outside of the one guy where you're like, mm, yeah. right, one, one of these guys is not belong. <laughs> yeah, one is not like the other. That's for sure. <laughs> one is not like the other. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with everything with CD. Like, I, I, he should be above Debo, in my opinion, without even blinking. Uh, Tyreek, I can get why somebody put over him just because of the cachet of what he's done. But this year in a new offense, and you don't know how this offense is even going to be ran, um, you're just going to assume they're running something similar to San Francisco. Uh, give me the wide open offense with no other immediate pass catchers, the, at least the first six weeks of the season. So give me CD. All right. And then rounding off the receiving core, Michael Gallup kind of touched on. We don't really have too much to add on him. Wide receiver 58 going at the end of the 10th round. Nope. I, I'm, nope. I'm, not, I'm just not nope. drafting him at all. I'm just not yeah. drafting him. I, I was going to ask <laughs> if he's undraftable for you guys because yeah. I wouldn't touch him. With I'm not touching him. It's 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 you you're wasting a pick on an injured player that you don't even know who's going to be healthy, even yeah. when he gets off the pup list. So I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm that, not doing that. I think that applies to all those late season ACL tear wide receivers for me, like like Godwin, Michael Gallup, yeah. Jamison yeah. Williams. Like if you're into rookies, like I'm good. Like somebody else, you can deal with it. And yep, I mean you got Jalen Tolbert down here is undrafted for fuck's sake. I would take. All the Jalen Tolbert before I'd ever even think yeah. about, and, and Jalen Tolbert is actually moving up draft boards too. He's actually moving up Hell draft yeah. boards. I'm he right, should. I'm actually Matt Kelly keeps him. pumping him up, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> talking yeah, about he, he might is. be rookie of the year. You don't get your plus twenty five hundred dollar bet or plus twenty five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to your point, Mike, about these ACL, these late eight season ACL tear guys, like, and this whole notion of that they're all ahead of schedule is just always bullshit. It's it's just irresponsible for them to say they're they're ahead of schedule. There's, it's so irresponsible. There's it, there's there's no way. Michael Gallup, I think, had surgery in what, February, January, yeah. February. There's no February. way that he's going to be for week one. You know, yeah. Chris Godwin hurt himself, hurt his ACL in December, and had surgery in January. He's not going to be ready. You know, so uh, I yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not dealing with it. And then rounding it rounding it out. Uh, rounding out the pass catchers is Dalton Schultz, tight end six, going um, in the early sixth round. What do you guys think about Dalton Schultz? And you know, I, guess I feel like he's he's in line to be the second pass game on pass game pass game option um, in his offense uh, because he 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 doesn't have any competition. He's a full time player at tight end. There's no other there's no other tight end that's going to take snaps away from him. We did drop the guy in the fourth round. Uh, in Ferguson, but he's not going to really, he's not going to take any snaps away from Dalton Schultz. I know they're having, they're, I know they're, they're at a contract impasse right now, and it, he seems to be set on playing um, on the franchise tag. So well, we don't know what's going to happen in 2023, but at least for this year, we know he's locked in. And, you know, he's been a great security blanket for Dak. And, uh, you know, Dak was, was, was first, was number one in the league in, in success rate when targeting the tight end. And Dalton Schultz was that guy, right? He was that he was that guy. He finished sixth in targets. Um it, it just over a hundred targets. So if you're getting a hundred targets at tight end position and you're a full time player, um, I like I like the prospects. I think Dalton Schultz is fine. We touched on him a little bit with uh, the Dallas Goddard thing. Yeah. Generally though, man, I mean you're talking about spending a six round pick on a tight end and, and just from a roster construction standpoint, redraft man, that's usually not what I'm doing like 
I'm good. Like I'll just wait it's on tough. tight end later. There's there's so many of them guys out there that you can just stack two, three of them and just it, it especially in best ball, but even in lineup, like somebody will emerge or somebody will have a nice week that you can just plug in and, and get away with it. So man, anytime you're talking like spending a fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick on a tight end, I'm kinda like, I'm good, man. But him the player is nice. Like you could do far worse at tight end position than taking Dalton Schultz because, you, like you said, man, he's probably the number two option in this passing game. And you're going to look at a guy who's going to get over 100 targets at the tight end position, which is very appealing. But roster construction, yeah, I'll pass, man. I'll probably just take another running back or a wide receiver or something here and move or on. Or Elijah, Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore, something like that, in six yeah. round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, Mike, we, we've been talking about this throughout this whole series. And when we ran into wide receivers, uh, no, tight ends around this range, just construction-wise, if you're not getting somebody elite, which I usually don't target elite early in drafts, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Nine, eight, nine, ten is where I'm going to be looking to get my tight end. So, uh, But this is the range where you would get somebody like Dalton Schultz. Uh, perfect range, perfect Tight end six. He's at right. He's right outside the elite five. So um, it's a good spot. But I just I can't I can't spend early six on the tight end. Yeah, the funny thing is about Dalton Schultz is that like we don't think that he's that good of a player in real life. We just think he's replaceable. <laughs> we we like you know we we weren't overly fond of the fact that we slapped him with a franchise tag. We felt like we could have used that some on someone else. But at the same time, he. You know him and him and Dak have a, a good chemistry. He's really good in fantasy, <laughs> right? I mean, he, he yeah. gets a lot of targets, he gets a lot of catches, and you know he he actually produces. But in terms of like his talent and things like that, we we feel like he's replaceable. But yep. uh, it, it's just it's just kind of like an interesting thing of how we how we view Dalton Schultz in real life versus fantasy. In um, most most Cowboys fans that we talk talk to, they'll probably agree. He's like, you know what? He's not really the the flashiest guy. He's not really the most talented guy, but you know, in fantasy, he'll he'll score some points for you, but not not at a sixth round, not at a sixth round pick cost. I, I think yeah. I think I would I would have felt better if he was uh, you know a waiver wire pickup or a ninth round guy or something like that. I would feel a lot better about that. But sixth round he feels like he feels a lot like Zach Ertz was for years in Philadelphia, where it's just like kind of like right there just because of the volume that he gets and the catching and like the receiving ability, just yeah. not spectacular, you know, and the, you're always waiting for the next thing. Like, well, oh, I can't wait till Zach Ertz leaves and we can get Dallas Goddard in here. Like, Oh, that's all that's waiting. Dallas Goddard's going to unlock the offense. And it's really just kind of the same thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, at least from like being a Philadelphia fan with all the years of Zach Ertz that we had, like, Man, if I was a Cowboys fan, just appreciate what you got. Like, it's not flashy, it's not spectacular, but it gets the yeah. job done, and, and he's good enough to do that. So, you, know, you can't ask for much yeah. more. It's yeah. much better than some of these tight end situations where you're looking at like Ricky Seals Jones possibly being your tight end one. <laughs> like, who the oh, hell cares? Oh my God, big zeros are. You know, the situation Tampa Bay's in now with Gronk leaving, it's like, well, Kate Otten might be the starter. No one gives a <laughs> shit. And then you got people out there trying to defend, well, Cameron Brate's better than you think he is. Bullshit he no, is. No, like, I, I got the, no, you know not. I have the fucking internet, right? I can look and see his stats <laughs> when Gronk was, was out last year. <laughs> he was actually worse without Gronk on the field. 
classic. So, yeah. <laughs> it's actually worse. <laughs> Dalton Schultz seems fine. Like it, it's just a draft sequence roster construction thing for me, where it's just you like know. okay, like I, I'm okay missing out. Like I'll get a Hunter Henry a few rounds later and feel good. <laughs> like I'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, and that is the end of our fantasy outlook series. We had to end it with the Cowboys again. This is Off the Line Fantasy Football Podcast. We appreciate Mike, a.k.a. the Teardown King, a.k.a. the, the menace on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. the, bu- the, Twitter the Twitter bully. Uh, but we appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, Mike, go ahead and shout out where, they, where the people can find you everywhere that you're at right now. Yeah, if you're stupid and you want to follow me on Twitter, I don't recommend it. Uh, it's mostly <laughs> just shit posting and funny stupid gifts like that's how i communicate now i don't actually use words i just use gifts <laughs> but it's at it's at iowa michael you can find me on there like i said earlier you want to check out the show stick here destination devi network adam and i are doing 40 chess in the dynasty trade show every week one on friday one on monday and uh you want to check us out on youtube it's cool like i'm doing more if you want to see my ugly face i'm on there a lot maybe too much uh if it's good like rat repellent you know if you want to keep road inside of your house just put that on crank the crank the voice up you'll be fine but that's it man i had such a blast being on with you guys i look up and it's like holy shit we've been doing two hours yeah <laughs> just no. by. and that's the yeah. problem that's Bottom the problem with what what ray's built you know bringing cool people together like you and gene ike you and gene uh getting to finally meet you guys and do a podcast with you you know we're going to meet up at the expo here in a month which is going to be amazing the community yeah. that Destination Debbie has is unlike anything else. You know, I met my best friend for life doing a podcast with through Ray. And now I get to hang out with you guys and talk football and shit. I, honestly, we could do it another four hours, but you guys have real jobs. So we got <laughs> to get you out of here. I quit my job on Saturday, so we're good. <laughs> like I can do this for another six hours, but it's been so fun to, to be on here, man. Thank you so much. Both of you. It's credible. Yeah. yeah, no, we appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, and again, um, I know he's trying to be humble about the follow, but uh, he does give, like, great, great, great dynasty uh, advice. I know I've, I've learned some things and applying to my dynasty leagues that I have. Uh, so definitely tap in with him if you're looking to, you know, try to get a – how to, you know, tear down like like his nick, like his name <laughs> himself, yeah. like – you want to tear down from, you know, JT to, you know, Cam Akers in a first, well, two firsts or three firsts, you know, follow them. They'll they'll teach you the ways they'll, they have. They have different things that they have uh, that they implement. They got a couple of things on the way to help you even more in terms of, you know, winning trades in your dynasty league. So definitely a good follow if, if you're trying to get into that space. Uh, again, uh, this is Off the Line Fantasy Football Podcast. You can follow our official Twitter handle at Off the Line FF. Uh, you got me, Gene, at Fantasy Genes, G-E-N-E-S. You got Ike at just underscore Ike09. Uh, again, this is the end of our, our fantasy uh, team outlook series. Uh, we're going to be hitting y'all next week with, with players that we do not want to look. We're not looking to draft in our in our, our redraft leagues this coming season. So please look out for that. Ike, you got anything before we get out of here? No, uh, it was it was a blast, Mike. Appreciate you jumping on with us. Um, and you know, to the people out there, we you know we look forward to bringing you some more dope content next week. Um, appreciate y'all, you know, being along for the ride for these thirty three episodes and counting. Got more to come. Um, 
like, subscribe, rate, review everywhere you find your podcast. Yeah, man. Um, on that note, we'll we'll holler at y'all next week. Y'all be safe. Peace. <laughs>